0: So good morning. Good morning. Peace. Alafia. How y'all doing? Good to be here, good to be here. <clears throat> Today's Momentum event we come to share in the ages wisdom of our ancestors as given by Dr. Raul Nefa Amin. Dr. Raul Nefa Amin is a prolific author, teacher, spiritual teacher, counselor, and also the Shechem of or king of kings of society, which he founded over 46 years ago, and is still growing strong. With chapters all over the United States, all over the world, internationally, the UK, Trinidad and Tobago, South Africa, and so on and so on. He's been teaching students, both in Osiriset and hundreds of thousands of students out of Osiriset, how to live a better life by the teachings that our ancestors laid down well over 3,000 years ago. So we have a feast of wisdom today coming to you. The first being how to tap in to the power through words of power. This is based on Shekham Shekham's book, The Dinnitia, Volume 6, The Raw Initiation System. Shekham Shekham is going to share with you time-tested techniques, ways of living, ways of creating that have been lived by us as our ancestors for hundreds and thousands of years. So it's my great honor and joy so welcome the Shechem and Shechem, Dr. Ralph amen
1: So when I do like that,
2: you forward or or, or, this here, which is forward, is back. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> can you see the board I mean that's not too much light too much light. too much light right yes. uh, can we do something about the light, light. they cannot see, see the presentation these lights. lights on can they turn So, why are they, is that better? A little bit? bit?
1: bit.
2: How about that? Can you see that? (laughs) Uh, That wasn't me, that was the. Okay, this is going, supposed to be going back. It's cycling through. Okay, here we go. Okay, good morning. Attempt! Yes. Lafayette! Shalom! Yes. Peace! <laughs> so, how are you doing, folks? Peace. Very good, okay. So, it, it gives me uh, great pleasure and honor to uh, share with you um, one of the information that um, made Africa a great place one of the teachings that is the cornerstone of Kamet, ancient Egypt. And, um, you know, the information has been distorted tremendously by, you know, Europeans, okay, who don't quite understand these teachings, um, which has caused many people of different ethnic groups to not embrace the teachings. And it's one of the causes of the problems in the world. So this is information that I'm gonna share with you this morning is in, uh, in one of the, uh, the volumes of the Medunathir, volume six. Medunathir means the word of God. There are many, you know, uh, teachings out there that address themselves as the word of God. But there's a difference. The word medu means the word, but we must take it in the sense of the Yoruba, As that say the odu. Medu, odu, meaning that when you go get a reading, a spiritual reading from a Babalao, which gives you insight into your spirit so that we can find out your past, your present, your future, that which is hidden within the spirit, you know, that word is a word that it you all know, comes from seeing what is in your spirit so medu nature the word of god is a word that comes to you from a source that is able to look into your spirit a word that translates and transforms into physical reality what is in your spirit so medu means word but not in the sense that we use it in the western way you see that so we want to clarify that just let me show i'm doing this the right way okay okay so when we speak about here, the word of god we are speaking about cometic spiritual science not mysticism not mysteries we're speaking about science okay and i will ex- explain as we go along and this is one of the main teachings of the Osada Society. We've been around now for 46 and a half years. Okay, we are in 30 cities around the world. Okay, all over the United States. We're in Canada, Bermuda, Trinidad, Tobago, Ghana, South Africa. We are in London, in think six cities in England, and so on. So put your weapons down. We have you surrounded. I mean, that's not a joke because a lot of our kids, right, they, you know, they, they, they leave home. You know, they don't want to go to school and, you know, once, once they go to college, right? They don't want to go to school in their city. They want to go like, another city. They can have the freedom. Then, they, oops, they run into another side of the chapter. <laughs> okay. So these are, you know, the biggest volumes, right? Okay, there's a volume seven also, right? So uh, these are, you know, some of the books that I've written, all right? Uh, there's also all the books, and things of that nature. I can't keep up with them. I forget them. Okay, so this is men volume six. Okay, the Rhine initiation system. So there are... You know, two major theologies of Khamet. When you go to the Khametic literature, you find that the anthropologists and Egyptologists present us with you know, a long menu of so-called gods and goddesses. And say, so these are polytheistic people, okay, they worship many gods and goddesses and so on, okay? But what they call gods and goddesses, okay, are faculties of the spirit, okay? Your physical body is made up of many faculties. Respiratory system, you know, cardiovascular system, reproductive system, digestive system, trillions of many different kinds of cells, but there's unity. They all work together for one purpose. You see that? Okay, so once you understand that, you know, a system, okay, Um, It's a little echo, if we can take some of the echo off, okay, Uh, people in charge of the sound, okay, I'm hearing a little reverberation of my voice, so once we understand that many things work together as part of one, then we find now that you know, if we identify the so-called gods and goddesses and angels and archangels of different parts of one function, one purpose, then there's no longer polytheism. You see that? There is what I call—I coin call the word—syntheism, a synthesis okay, of theistic principles, divine principles. You see that? Okay. Meaning the same way that physiologists are able to find the unity of all the various functions of the physical body, the ancients were able to find the unity, the unified, harmonious interaction of the many you know, faculties of the spirit. So they were practicing a syntheism, not a polytheism. In effect, the so-called monotheism, meaning the one God, okay failed to see how the one God was the unity of the many divine spiritual faculties. you see that okay and, and when something you know is the effect of many things working together and you just present the one thing as opposed to the one thing with the understanding of how it is composed of many things working together you therefore destroy the system, the understanding of the system, of yourself and of the world, you see that? And that's why we are having difficulties today, you see, we are failing to benefit from religion and spirituality because for the lack of a spiritual understanding. So when you go uh, into kinetic spirituality, the wisdom of your ancestors, Okay? We have a concept called sankofa, meaning look back. If you want to know your present and the future, look into the past. You see that? Okay? Everybody speaks about the ageless wisdom, the wisdom of the ancients. There's a time when you know, things were wiser, things were better. And I'm not going to get into much into that, but there's a time when black people were doing their thing until the northerners came and conquered and destroyed and changed things around. That's why we have to look back to the past. But how far in the past? Many of us want to reclaim our heritage, so we go back to um, medieval Africa, maybe a thousand years ago, you know. That's cool, okay, to speak about Timbuktu and Songhai and. But we are much older than that. You see that? And, you know, going back a 1,000, even 2,000 years ago, does not take us to the teachings, you see, of our teachings, okay, before it was, you know, uh, corrupted and changed around. When people come into your stuff and put their things on it and you have a hybrid, it's no longer the same. So if you want to reclaim your, you know, your ancestry, your heritage. And we're going to find out a little bit later why this is important. You see that? If you want to reclaim your heritage, you have to go back about 4,500 to 5,000 years into the past. You see that? Okay? That's how far you have to go back to. But that's when we were, you know, wheeling and dealing. Okay? So there are two basic theologies. When you go into that vast literature that is Egyptian spirituality, you're gonna find that everything comes under two heads, the Osirian teachings and the Ra teachings. You see that? Meaning that, you know, every entity, you know, is a unity of two complementary you know, agencies working together, a yin and a yang, positive and negative. You see that? Okay? Everything is an duality, meaning an indivisible duality. You see that? That's why there's man and woman. That's why there's night and day. Okay? That's why there's cold and hot. That's why for energy you have to have a positive force and a negative force working together. That's why everything, the body has these sympath- um, sympathetic, parasympathetic, central nervous system, autonomous nervous everything is a duality, check and balances and, in, you know, dual t- interaction, complementary interactions. And if you, and the understanding of that, and resting your philosophy, your theology, Your understanding of life and that is is the beginning of what makes, you see, your philosophy a science. The Western world separates science from philosophy, science from religion, that's a Western misunderstanding. We have to go back to the knowledge when, you see, Religion, spirituality, philosophy were expressions of a science. some were somehow Aristoteles you know, found this out that's why he said there had to be an organic basis to philosophy. meaning that if I want to talk about you know, phys- uh, philosophical truths, I must be able to see it also in the body, in the physiology. you see that so the theology of Ra, the spirit. Ra is a spirit, okay? And this poem, that's a poem there, right? This this is a picture word. You, you learn about word pictures? Okay, they're also what? Picture words, meaning pictures that speak volumes. You see that, okay? Meaning that this serpent, kut, is the name of this serpent, is a metaphor for what? Energy that moves in an undular, cyclical manner. You see that? That's how energy works, moves, right? So the serpent is not a serpent, you don't worship a serpent. Energy moves in that manner, it's undular. But so is life, everything in life is up and down, up and down, up and down. Yin-yang, yin-yang, you see? note. Okay? And it is, you know, the sun. The sun in Kamet is not called Ra, it is called Aten, or Adon. From where we get Adon the Lord. <laughs> when it says, the Lord said, it is, it's all about some solar principle. That's for them to work out. But the name for the sun in the ancient Egyptian language is Aten, or Adon, because Ra, is the spirit. All you have to do is read the hymns to Ra. There are many hymns to Ra that will help you to understand that Ra is the spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit. So when you read the litanies and hymns to Ra you will learn about what? Your spirit. But the spirit is a body of energy, bound by laws. And how that body is composed, okay, and how it works is the theology of Ra, okay? Now, energy does, does not direct itself. It is directed by a conscious, you know, being with the freedom to choose and to will. And that is, you see, the theology of Osser. You see that? So when you study the hymns to Osir, you're learning about you as the knower, the conscious, independent, free being that will, and chooses, and knows. When you study about Ra, you're learning about the body of energy that is, you know, the storage of knowledge, of information, and the power to achieve things. Meaning that you, your identity, is what you are able to voluntarily control, and that is consciousness and will. Okay? And to know yourself as consciousness and will, that which knows, that which perceives, the seer, the purushas, the Hindus say, okay, you have to uh, master the doctrine of Osir. But for you to learn how to function in the world, meaning have the information to know how to do, and have the power to accomplish, then you must study the teachings of Ra. Clear? So oser is you, the knowledge of you as consciousness and will. The knower. Not the doer, the knower. Okay? The doer within you. The holder of information of who you are, and how you're going to function, and the power to make it happen is ra. Meaning, you know, um, you wake up one day, (laughs) And you say, you know, I can be a millionaire one of these days. I can do this. Okay? Is that enough to make it happen? No. You see that? There are things within your mind, your psyche, your body that has to execute that intention. And that part, the knowledge of how to do that is stored in your spirit, the Ra. Okay? And your ra, your spirit, has the information of how to make any one of you in this room a millionaire. That's good news, isn't it? Anybody here wants to be a millionaire or would like to be a millionaire? Can you put a million dollars to good use? But you see, when you, thought, when you think that, you say, but you wait a minute, you know, I don't think I know how to make that happen. Because, you see, Ra operates on the subconscious level. You see that? Okay? When you say, you know, I, I have this feeling, this idea, this belief I could be a millionaire, you are now speaking on the conscious level. That which is going to carry, out, carry it out works on the subconscious level, meaning the know-how and the power is hidden from you. You know that. You study all day long, all week, all month long, going to take your finals. You know the stuff, but the information doesn't come. You're looking at the question. You know this, you, 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 you have the metaphor that the, the answer is the tip of your tongue, but it just one. Take form. The information is not happening. The knowledge is not taking form. Why? But where is it? It's in the spirit. If you knew how to communicate with your spirit effectively, you will have perfect score in every test that you take. And not only will you have a perfect score, you will execute effectively everything that you will to do. Clear? So this book here, Medinatary, Volume 6, is what we're talking about. Okay? Now all the volumes, you know, speak about your potential. The laws governing the execution. This book gives you the actual, you know, uh, material to make it happen. You follow what I'm saying? The other books is like, uh, you know, you could make a car, and a car does this, and it's made up of this, right? Okay, this book tells you exactly how to make that car and make it work. Because at some point, we have to go from theory to execution, right? Okay. Everything in the world is activity. Everything that's happening is activity. Nothing happens without energy, without force. You see that? And this is the problem, okay? I cannot help making references to other spiritual systems and religious systems, right? Okay? And I do my best to not make direct statements because we're not here to criticize anyone, put anyone Down or whatever, but I'm just gonna say this much, right? When you go into most spiritual systems, you're gonna find that they do not get into the nuts and bolts of how the spirit works. The spirit is an energy vehicle responsible for, you know, giving you the information you need about your true self and how to do things, and the power to make it happen. Because the biggest problem in life is not knowing who you are, not knowing how to make things happen, and once you find out how to make something happen, you don't have the power to make it happen. And people delve in religion, in spirituality, and still have these problems. Why? Because these things were left out of the teachings, for one reason or another. Okay? We can speak about conspiracy theories as to why it's that way or whatever. That's for you, you know, the sites on the internet, you can go waste a lot of time with that. (laughs) I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in just cutting to the chase to give you the keys to move forward. We don't have time for that, do we? Well, some people love to sit down and talk about this religion and that religion and this, but we don't have time for that. Okay, you don't want to be a millionaire 20 years from now. <laughs> Next year is <laughs> it's not too soon, isn't it? Let's make it happen. <laughs> so everything needs, everything is activity. If it's not, act, if it's not acting, it's dead. You see? It even takes energy to dream, to think, to want, to wish. It even takes energy. Everything that's happening happens through energy. Energy is governed by laws. You see that? Okay? And energy works through faculties. Energy works through vehicles. Energy is just not moving through the ethers and so on, making things happen, it has to come in through some vehicle. There are radio waves floating around, you know, this building or whatever, but you need a radio, a device, a vehicle to capture that energy, to broadcast it. you with me? Okay? So all these forces out there in nature, you're, you have to have a vehicle, and that vehicle is the spirit. Okay, what happened here? Okay, we kind of like went behind again. So we spoke about that. So when we speak about the faculties of Ra, okay, the same way your physical body is made up of different organs. Organ systems, right? And each one does different things. Your spirit is made up of different faculties also. Actually, there are 11 major faculties. Okay? And uh, the faculties of the spirit, okay, is called, as a whole, is called the Palk Nateru. Okay? Which comes into the Western world as the tree of life. You see that? The Tree of Life is the foundation of uh thinking. Okay? The, the secret wisdom of the Hebrews is the Kabbalah, and the essence of it is the Tree of Life. But that goes back to about, you know, 600, 1300 AD. The Bible mentions it, but mentions it only once. The Old Testament mentions the Tree of Life only once, you know, and that was a tree that Adam, you know, was forbidden to read. He never read it. Okay, and he was kicked out of the, of the garden to keep him from putting his hand on that tree. He ate on the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. Tree of Life was close to him. Okay, and we never hear, hear about the Tree of Life again in the Bible onto the New Testament, the last book. Where, you know, uh, once the, 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 the Babylon is destroyed, <laughs> and the New Jerusalem, okay, uh, comes into being, right? What we find in the New Jerusalem is a Tree of Life, the leaves of which will be medicine for nations, and the fruits of which will be the food for nations. That's a very powerful endorsement for whatever this tree is, okay? And what else do we find in New Jerusalem? We find, you know, we find Jesus. We find the river with the waters of life. So, according to the thinking of, you know, Brother John, (laughs) this tree is very important. Now, those words were written, you know, about 300 A.D. That's when our our source, sometime A.D. the pot the terror the so, the source of the tree of life, we find it first, you know, written the oldest, you know, reference to it is in the pyramid text of King Unas, the king of the fifth dynasty of Egypt. He chiseled it into the walls of his pyramid. You know, by the way. Egyptologists want to say to you all the pyramids were, you know, burial chambers. They haven't found a certain not one single pharaoh buried in a pyramid. They're all buried in the mountains, (laughs) somewhere, elaborate tombs, and things of that nature. Okay, what you find in the pyramids, okay, are either um, mathematical, you know, geometrical secrets, which hide, you know, the secrets of science, the science of life, and of engineering. Or, and you might find, you know, spiritual texts chiseled into the wall. And the oldest book in the history of the world, and which is the first book on spirituality, is the pyramid text of King Unas. It has been Re recorded, translated, and published. It. It's in your libraries right now. You can go to the library uh, or to a bookstore and read the pyramid text of UNAS. You're reading the oldest book in the world and the first spiritual text, the first scripture. And in that book, the Poc are honored as one of the greatest accomplishments of mankind, in form and in content. The form of it, I will come back, I'm going to write a book just on the part of the form of it, okay, and I will come back to talk only to the engineering, you know, uh, scientific students here at Morehouse. Because the form has to do with the, Architecture of the universe. The content has to do with the faculties of the spirit, which is what we're going to talk about today. You see that? So, what we call angels are the faculties of the psyche of man. Okay? Angel. L is a um, Canaanite word for God. So angels are divine faculties. The divine faculties are the spirits of God. You see that? Okay? It's important because, you see, when you hear the word angel, you know, you get the impression that we talk about some mythological, some mythical creature. Some human being with little angel uh, wings and stuff like that, that's nonsense. When you go into the scriptures, you find that, you know, angels, you know, perform all kind of miraculous deeds. But, you know, that is just simply parables or whatever. In ancient Egypt, you have, you know, books that help you to understand that the angels, you know, are faculties of your spirit. Okay? The Arabic word for angels is jinn. J I N Jin. Gin. The Jin is the source of the Greek word genius. The genii. Okay? When you tap into a Jin, an angel, then you become a genius at something. It's very important if you don't stand. Okay? and it's, And it's, you know, that's where, you know, the whole concept of the importance of of intuition, meaning you can and must learn things from the outside. Somebody will teach you things, right? But the greater knowledge, the knowledge that advances civilization is intuition. Dr. Joseph Ben-Jokhanen used to say that, you know, the first man that that got a doctorate in something, had to give it to himself. (laughs) Who taught Einstein E equals MC squared? Intuition. Who taught Newton the law of motion and thermodynamics and gravity? He had to have taught it to himself. Intuition, right? But in, but where does intuition come, where does it come from? Where does instinct come from? We say instinct, we say intuition. What did the ancients say? They spoke differently because they were not, you know, they were not, you know, Italians. So they didn't say instinct and intuition. They had their own, we said, meter. You know, you said, orisha. Omosu, oh, are you, you, you with me? The Hindu says devas. When you get into studying, when you get beyond just simply soundbite education to, to dig into things, you find that instinct, intuition, <coughs> they are looking at the same thing we call angels and archangels and jinns and genii and things of that nature, you, you see that. Okay, and when you want to tap into your wisdom, you don't rub rub some uh, lantern or, or whatever lamp or something. I don't know what it was, you know. And some you know, genie <laughs> comes up. You go see Doctor Kopikondwanet to teach you how to meditate, get into the depths of your spirit. Because, you see, the source, well do you say intuition? Because it's hidden in your subconscious, and it will reveal itself to you. You know, many discoveries, scientific discoveries, happen at the same time in different parts of the world. People that didn't know each other, right? Like the, 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 the knowledge of the molecular theory that led to chemistry, it happened to different scientists around the same time, and they didn't know each other. They weren't talking to each other. Because the knowledge of any and everything in the world is hidden in all of you. So what you call your spirit, when you go beyond Freud and Carl Jung and you know uh, those failed attempts to understand your psych and your spirit, and you go back to people who have done the proper study of the psych and the spirit, you're going to find that there are 11 faculties, there are major 11 faculties in what you call your spirit. Well understood and so forth. The reason that, you see, it is projected in this form is because the faculties have a complementary, supplementary relationship to one another. They have a hierarchical, a top-down relationship. That's science. And this arrangement of hierarchy, complements okay, and supplements, all work, show you how everything works together for the one purpose. And everything in nature works that way. That's why the architecture of the Pot and the tree of Life is the foundation of holistic and scientific thinking. And I want you to understand that because, you see, you know, um, somebody wants to make you believe that if you start to talk about angels and ancestors, you're talking mysticism, and you're talking, you know, um, superstition, You're talking non-scientifically, okay? This is not rocket science. This is beyond rocket science. (laughs) (laughs) When rocket science fails, then come back to Kamet to sort of the material. And rocket science is failing it because, you see, people who went to the moon and came back, they weren't changed. They were still the same sorry human beings. Okay? I'm talking about the guy specifically, I'm talking about the race. Okay, so the study of the Tree of Life. And by the way, you're not going to find the real understanding of the Tree of Life in Kabbalah. Because Kabbalah is nothing else but, you know, an attempt to understand, you see, the partner which is an African teaching. Is that correct, my beloved? Okay. I'm not grandstanding, read my Medunitri, Volume 1 through 7, and then get all the Kabbalah books, the Zephyr HaZohar, the Yetzirah, the Ashmetzaref, the books by Winston, and the Golden Dawn of the study them all together, and you come back and tell me. Because I've read all of them, and uh, that's why I'm giving you these books. Okay, why is it doing that? Okay. Uh, so we find that, you know, the hieroglyphs of Amen over here, okay. That's okay. Over here, right, we have Amen. All right, this gray card here, right, represents the faculty above you, above, you know, uh, beyond manifestation, which is the source of all energies and life and modalities of expression, and so on. Then the faculty of yourself is Oser, this is the hieroglyph over here, and then the Tehuta is the faculty, you know, through which God speaks to you. God speaks to man, okay? We are made in the image and likeness of God, okay, meaning uh, we are made divine beings. If you're the image and likeness of God and you are a human being, then God is a human being. Can't accept that. That doesn't make any sense because a human being is a sorry mess. You're the image and likeness of God. You're a divine being and your life is an aspiration to fulfill that divine potential. If you're not living and striving to to fulfill your divine potential, then you're wasting this beautiful gift of life. And that's why you're catching hell. Because, you see, if you're honest and sincerely striving to fulfill your divine potential, you are getting better and better each and every day. You see that? That is what you have to understand. So, if you can talk to me and to one another, it's because God shared that ability with you. Say thank you because, you see, dogs and cats, they cannot, you know, share knowledge the way we share knowledge. They cannot exchange information the way we exchange information. They cannot, you know what I'm saying? Okay? And all the previous hominids went extinct because they didn't have the gift of language. They couldn't communicate, they couldn't truly record You see their information, their knowledge, and pass it on. And God is able to talk to you once you awaken this faculty we call Tehuti. You see that? Alright? Then we have Seker, that part of you, you know, holds, you know, your destiny. Everybody comes to earth to uh, live out a certain set of experiences through which they will fulfill the divine potential. That's what your destiny is. We all come with the same destiny, and that is to make a reality our divine potential. Some of us go through the challenges of poverty to become divine. Others of us go through the challenges of being wealthy, of being sick, you know, whatever. You see that? But all these challenges lead to the same goal, divinity. But for you to understand your divinity, you have to activate that sacred faculty within you. You see that? That's number three. Number two is and number one is Oser, zero is Amen. Then we come to number four, Ma'at. The divine laws, you may not know divine laws. You may not live an ethical life. Okay? You might be quite dishonest, but the divine laws are stored inside of you. Okay? All of us in the art faculty within us. This is important to understand <clears throat> that have you met people who have been informed about ethics and morality, but still can't live it? You know that right? Because you see, Extruded morality will not help you. To live morality, you have to awaken the moral center within you. It has to come from inside of you. So you have to awaken the moral principle within you. It's so clear to you. That's why, you know, the spiritual life, where you set time aside to meditate, to perform these rituals, to bring forth you know, your inner potential out into the world is an important part of your life. And we're living at a time when this is not happening with lots of people. Now, many of us older folks, you know, we went to church every Sunday. Some of us went to church maybe several times a week, spent hours in the church. You see that? I remember when I was a little boy, we went to church on a Sunday morning and didn't get out on Sunday evening. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, you know, there's a book called the Psalms in the Bible, right? Again, when you read the Psalms, right, you know, throughout the Psalms it says, the Lord. The Lord, and it mentions the Lord. Every psalm mentions the Lord. You see that? And I once spoke to a Jewish man, who was a rabbi, and he said, the problem is that, you know, your book says the Lord, okay, and our book, instead of saying the Lord, it gives the name of the Lord. And it gives substitute names of different lords. And once I did my research and so forth, I found that what they were calling the Lord's in the original book is what we today call mantras. Meaning that it wasn't, you know, honoring the Lord, it was, you know, reciting a mantra in a meditation state. And the sound, the sound waves, you see, excited a faculty within you. You know, that vibration awakens a faculty within you. You see that? It's like, you know, drinking a cup of coffee, it awakens the prefrontal lobe. So now you can think a little better, focus a little better. So reciting certain mantras in a meditative state awakens your inner faculties and puts them to work you see that? So ma'at, you know, is one of your spiritual faculties. You recite the mantra, the hekka of ma'at. That vibration awakens that faculty and you're able now to intuit the laws. But along now with having a broader and deeper and fuller understanding of the law, you have the power to live it. Which is not the same thing as somebody telling you, you know, morality is a good thing, you know, don't hurt people, you know, maintain social harmony, be a nice person, okay? Uh, That doesn't work, you know, in critical challenge, situations. You see that? When what you, you know, want passionately comes into conflict with doing the right thing, well, you know what wins out. So we you, you want to understand that, you see, it is not hearing the word, but awakening the faculty that really has that word and the power to live it. This is a different, we talk about a whole different paradigm here that has been taken out of the lives of people. You look at the world today and you say, oh, you know, the politics is so immoral. Well. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to go out on the streets and protest and march and have a sit-in and a die-in or something. It's not going to change it. Not saying that you shouldn't protest and to awaken and bring things to people's attention, but you have to understand that you have to change people from the inside. You know what I'm talking about? When somebody tells you to do something, it's not the same thing as your own mind telling you to do it. Correct? You're not know talking about. And by the way, that faculty is also the owner of great wealth. Meaning that the divine laws, you see, says if you want to get to the greatest of wealth through the power of the Spirit, not through, you know, you know, mundane machinations, but through spiritual, through the power of the Spirit, you have to live truth. Beautiful. Heru kahute, divine protection. You see that? Heru. <clears throat> is your, the faculty that enables you to live as a divine being in an awakened state. You see that? It's a lot of information that I'm not getting into because <laughs> it requires time and space, which we don't have. Coming down the tree, number seven, heferu, the imagination, which is just not simply the ability to uh, create a story or work of art, Okay? If you go into trance through meditation and visualize what you want to achieve, you see that? Accompanied by living in harmony with divine law, you will achieve what you want. Listen to that. If I visualize my goals, health, wealth, family, harmonious social life, at the same time that I am observing divine law, which I have to learn what they are, and I take those visions into trance, it will come true. That's the law of the imagination. Subject number eight, you see that, that jackal there, and it's interesting that that's your verbal intelligence which must support the laws, you see that? And you say, well, why a jackal? Well, I don't know how, but it's interesting that, you know, um, the language center, broca's you know, the Broca's center and the Wernicke center in the left hemisphere, the, the left um, cortex, cerebral cortex. There's a center called Fox P2 complex that governs <laughs> Language and communication. Why do they call it fox? I don't know. But it's the fox within you. (laughs) Your intellect, which according to the Hopi Indians, is the source of all troubles also. You know, man is intellectual. Man is too smart for his own good, isn't he? He's the one that is creating an atomic bomb but doesn't know how to control the damn thing, right? Create computer. Now the devices have taken over. They were, they were thinking that robots were going to take over. No, the devices have taken over the kids. And they are the future of mankind. And their minds and heads are captured in the device. You watch kids today? They don't talk to each other. They do not talk to each other. They're all sitting down in a corner somewhere on a device and all, they all interact with each other through a device. The house part is through the device, and they all sit in the same room. <laughs> that word, you say the word, you know, the power of the word. Yes, you have to cultivate the proper words because the words drive your psychic power. Oset is the power of trance, meaning that I said to you, the spirit operates in the hidden circle. We call it. That's what the ancient Egyptians called the subconscious, the hidden circuit. You see that? So if you want to you know, make your subconscious, your spirit, you see, manifest your will, you cannot speak to it in an waking state. You have to meditate, go into the meditation state, and speak to your spirit, tell your spirit what to do. So many of you don't want to meditate, because you don't understand the power of meditation. When you pray, you have to go deep within you. You see that? So when you pray, if you're not going deep into your subconscious when you're praying, you're talking, you're barking up the wrong tree. Is that clear to you? Okay, so these are the laws that each one of these faculties are governed by law. Okay, I'm not going to go through that at this point, but I just want you to understand that, you know, laws, rules, the things you want to live by, right? You want to be free to do what you want to do, and that's the, prob- the problem, okay, that words, many of you go to book, you get a word of power, okay, a mantra, a heka, and you say, why aren't you going to chant this to get what I want? Yeah, there are laws that you must abide by. There are certain laws that you must not accept, certain actions that you must not uh, take, and so on. One of the laws of the gift, the physical part of you, first of all, the source of the power of the spirit comes from what you eat. You've got to study Chinese medicine, Taoism, to understand that. Qi, it comes from what? The food you eat, the purity of the water you drink, the power, the purity of the air you breathe to make, create the life force. And life force is transmuted into Shen, spiritual force. You see that? And many of you want to chant the words of power and you don't regulate your diet. Okay? You don't regulate the air you breathe. You don't, you're still drinking tap water. Things of that nature. Then you say, oh, you know, I tried meditation, it didn't work. Sure you did. So, applications of the mantras. Okay, first of all, you have to take them into meditation. You have to learn to meditate, and then meditate with the mantras, clear? All right? Without the TV on. <laughs> uh, let me get the book here. When you get this book, it's like a little dictionary, okay? And, uh, <clears throat> because how to work with this system is spread over, so far, seven volumes, and all the books that I have, you see that, okay? Um, Egypt left a model load of teachings. That's why it's taken me all of these books. It's just too much to put in one book. You see that? Okay, and it takes time also to really fully digest this information and put it in a form that others can follow, use, and so forth. So button 8 is coming, right? So hurry up and read. Now, when we go into, you know, the index of this book, Appendix on page 213, okay, and the book comes with full information on how to use their 72 words of power, okay, in this book, (coughs) all right? And um, (coughs) for over 200 life applications, okay? As many of you don't understand, you know, people come to me and they say, you know, um, well, you haven't seen me in a while, you know, at the temple, because I'm busy trying to get my money together, get my school together, then I come back and, you know, work on my spirituality. Well, that's putting the cart before the horse. You see that? Okay? Work if you understand what spirituality is. What is the spirit? Is the vehicle that holds what? The information that you need to know yourself, to understand things in this world. Because the spirit is what creates the galaxies. The spirit is what creates the solar system. The spirit is what creates the elements, all of the forces, electromagnetic forces. The spirit is what creates the, you know, complex. Phenomenal, you know, macroscopic world. Replica of the macroscopic world. That's what spirit does. It has information on how to take potato chip and make flesh and bones. Can you imagine that? There are some people diet that is so bad, I have no idea how they are alive, let alone growing. But that's what spirit does. It knows how to do that. It's alchemical magic, right? The scientists, they know everything that is in blood. They know everything that is in honey, but they can't make honey. They can't make blood. But they have all the knowledge of everything that's in it. Spirit knows and Spirit does. Okay? So when you, you know, if you are not spending at least a half an hour every single day of your life, meditating, with some word of power to achieve your goals. If you are trying to fix your marriage, and meditation is not a part of that process, then you do not know, I'm gonna say something that might hurt you, but I'm not here to be for you to applaud me and be nice with me, and I'm here to help you. So I'm going to give you some tough love. If meditation is not a part of what you want to achieve in life, whether it be to improve your finances, to improve your love life, to improve your health, to improve the political aspect of your life. Black Lives Matter, yeah, but to move that forward, you need to use the power of the Spirit. They can't see it coming. They cannot shoot missiles to the Spirit. They cannot stop the Spirit. They have to learn, the following saying, what is it that built Egypt? What made Egypt different? When Egypt in 2000, that's all right. In 4000 B.C., that was um, like 2,000, 3,000 years before there was an Abraham. Okay? Almost 4,000 years before they began to work on the Old Testament. Right? 4,000 years before the advent of Christianity. 5,000 years before the advent of Islam and Buddhism and so forth. We were already a mature civilization. What built Egypt? Talent, genius. Genius is something that you believe somebody has to be born with. Yes, some people are born with genius. People are born with talent. But that's not the acne of civilization. The acne of civilization is knowing how to deliberately, willfully, awaken talent in someone. You want to be a salesperson. If you have to read a book on how to sell effectively, you are in trouble. Because the great salespeople have sales talent. You see that? If you want to be a biologist, and you have to read a book on how to think scientifically correctly, they're in trouble because the are <laughs> biologists, the kids out there that were dissecting butterflies when they were three years old. You know what I'm saying? I had a chess talent. I, I learned to play chess when I was six years old. My cousin sat down with me one Saturday afternoon after I never forgot that day, the rain had just stopped raining, we were sitting in my grandfather's backyard, and he was teaching me to move the chess, like an hour or so. He, he moved this way, then he showed me, you know, and then he said, you got it? I said, got it. So let's play a game. And we play a game, and he won. Okay, let's play another game. And that was the only game I lost <laughs> that year. He used to take me around the Baha'i Center in Cologne, in Panama, to play chess you know, against the grown men for 25 cents a game. <laughs> yeah, he was pimping me, all right. <laughs> and I was beating up the old man. And at the end of the day, we had money to go to movies and <laughs> eat popcorn and hot dogs and whatever. I have talent. He said, Well, you know, I was born with it. But what if you're not born with the talent that you need? What if you fail in the SAT? You risk paying like $5,000 to the Kaplan, you did this, and you still can't get above 600 on the SAT. You're a sorry creature. <laughs> but the mathematical, the language arts, and whatever talent. <clears throat> The genie, the genie, the gene is inside of you. You just have to activate it. You ever heard of activational of genes? Well, you know, chanting a mantra is activating a genie within you. It's slumbering, and the vibration of the in the faculty through the sound that corresponds to it, is what makes that faculty work. A problem is that people think that the mantra, the sound, does the work itself, meaning if, you know, if I chant the sound, the sound itself will bring me the money. No, the faculty within you does the work. The mantra excites and awakens, okay, and makes the faculty work on a higher level. Is that clear to you? So we go to appendix in my book, okay? Page thirteen. There are mantras to help you better understand the living laws of God, right? You can study the laws, study, reason, okay, and work on them from the outside. They can chant different mantras and have intuitive, deeper, broader understanding of the laws. Academic pursuits. Anybody here involved in academic pursuits, raise your hand. There's a mantra that will give you straight A's. One of my daughters, you know, she's now uh, 22. She's in her third year at NYU University. Okay? Five years ago, uh, she came to a retreat that we did in Virginia, and she, and, and I did a little, Meditation workshop for teenagers. And she and her girlfriend said, You know something? And I said, You can get straight A's if you meditate. Okay? And she made a pact with her girlfriend, like, We're going to, and we're a little teenager, right? We'll meditate every day, right? And they went home and they meditated every day. And in the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, straight A's. My daughter, you know, she has a scholarship for NYU. Okay? She came home last year, you know, all upset because she got a B. <laughs> okay, in one of her subjects. But she's doing a lot of straight A's at NYU. Meditating. See, you don't meditate, you don't embrace spirituality, your Sankofa doesn't have the understanding that it should have. Okay, alright? Because you don't understand truly what spirituality is. Spirituality is just not being on, uh, honest and moral. Yeah, those are essential you know, qualities of spirituality. But to what end? So you can use the powers. The spiritual power is what's, going to, is what's going to guarantee. Okay, spiritual power and divine life. Spiritual power and divine life will get you what you need in life. Clear? If what you need is, you know, acceptable, okay, will happen. Subject to car accidents. Some people are accident-prone. So if you're accident-prone, okay, this mantra will, okay? Activists, okay? They are here, two mantras. Inactive, whatever your activism is, will help you with it. Actors, TV, movies, acupuncturists, people working with addicts, administrators, social issue advisors to work out agreements, people who live alone for their protection, <clears throat> to increase altruism. You know somebody who lacks altruism, don't criticize them, chant for them. Pray with them with a word of power, right? It first will awaken altruism within you, and then uh, you will infect them with your altruism. That's the way that works, right? Analytical thinking. anatomist, To secure the protection of your ancestors. Okay? To preserve your ancestry. Epsilon A. <laughs> okay? For animal attacks. Animal rights advocates, appraisers of antiques. Interesting, right? Is it a talent? Absolutely, right? Two different appraisers can appraise an antique. You know, one might say, well, this is worth a million dollars. No, 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 10 million, right? Where's that coming from? A talent, an inner eye, an inner sense. Oh, this is a good one. Apathy in students. Don't fight with them. Chant for them. Chant with them. What's an energy problem? For architects, give them a better sense of proportions and aesthetics and design. These are all talents. Okay, let's skip the A's because it's getting used. Assist, assist them from superiors, from elders, astrologers. Okay, attack from others. Armed attack from others or saving initiation, biochemists, biologists, buffers, building trades, business difficulties. Okay. They say most businesses fail, right, in what, three, four, five years, right? You start a business, most likely you're going to have difficulties. There managers you can chance to not fail. Because business, surely, is a talent thing, okay? You're not going to go to business school, and that's going to make you successful. Not really. There are lots of successful people who never went to business school. You see that? Career paths. To discover your career path. People are 40, 50, still don't know what, to, what career to follow. You know, what career you should follow is hidden within you. You call it out with that mantra. How do you become a celebrity after a life of hard work? Right? You're not, being, you're not getting recognition. There are mantras that will do that. You know, somebody says, like attracts like. That's not enough. OK? Now, a lot of you who have been doing excellent work, are you not attracting the attention of all the celebrities to help you get out in the world, isn't it? So it's not enough that like attracts like. OK? to increase your charisma, okay, Uh, for people dedicated working in charity, how to get the charity money, right? Working to correct disobedient children, and so forth, to protect children, for comedians, right? You cannot quit your day job because maybe you can make them laugh, you see? (laughs) To improve communications, you know? Protection against conspirators, to improve your conscience, Okay, to critique with understanding and humor. that people you get to critique. <clears throat> and if you can do it with human understanding, it would be quite effective. What? You know, success in working with crystals, and so forth, to eliminate debts, debating ability, protection against defamation, okay, to confront defiant people, Okay, to understand deja vu experience. How many of you had a deja vu, like, right? But you just don't know what and why. it's a mantra that will help you understand what it is, as opposed to your speculation like, yeah, I know I saw this in a past life, but, but it's probably talking about a future event in your life. To help destitute people, or help you if you're destitute. right? Don't tell them, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. No, help them with a mantra. And I'm on D. I can go through A, the E's, the F's, the G's. Okay, I start on page 213 and I'm on page 221. I'm just on the ends. To help medical students, people, right? Um, okay, to increase your meditation. Okay, mystic ability. You know, in meditation, maritime expedition, working with machinery, for reverence and ministers and imams, priestesses, movie industry, librarians, learning, leadership. Leadership is a talent. Don't read a book on how to be a good leader. Awaken the leadership knowledge and power within you. Okay, oops, (laughs) money! How to make money? It's called all ring, Sitael. Got that her ring, Sitael. All right? <laughs> and giving that one to you, because some of you are too broke, to so buy the book. Chant <laughs> the mantra, get the money, come get the book, <laughs> and then you can get access to the, all the other center one mantras. And we can go on. Okay? Um, very to solve, very difficult, right? There are mantras to get people out of jail. We have helped many political prisoners, you know, get out and stay out of jail and things of that nature. Okay, and I'm not, go- I'm not going to go into names or whatever, but believe you me, we have done it. You see that? Okay, people, not everybody who has been in jail, or some people did the crime and have to do the time. But we get an amelioration, okay, if warranted, if they're truly, you know, remorseful, and so forth, we get an amelioration for the misdeeds. you with me? For the, you know? You think about it. Any cancer, any type of illness, insight, because, you know, talent and intuition is what built Egypt. Okay? And we want to rebuild okay, the African, you know, greatness. What made us great is not melanin, okay, what makes us great, okay, uh, is the knowledge of awakening the powers in our spirit. Because the spirit of God is what built the entire universe and everything in it. And man is Man's spirit is a microcosmic version of God, the microcosm. So everything that God uh, can do, you can do, it you on your own level. A drop of water has the same life-giving properties, the same properties, electromagnetic properties as the water in the ocean. You with me? They can sail ships in the ocean, of course not in a drop of water, but that drop of water has the same qualities as the ocean. You, my beloved, God made you, his own likeness, a divine being. But you have to learn the laws of your spirit, live by them, live in harmony with them, and then now learn the nuts and bolts of how your spirit is composed, and like a scientist working in the laboratory, splitting genes to create genetically modified entities and to put the genes to work, to manifest things in the laboratory, like scientists working with specific chemicals and forces to produce wonderful things like television rockets, and rockets Computers or whatever, okay, you too can work with the <clears throat> faculties of your spirit and your psyche and put them to work so that you can achieve your goal at will, in harmony. And we say to God, thank you for making us a divine being. Peace and blessings to all of you. Don't do it.
0: My question is, how much is your hourly consultation rate? How much what? Is your hourly consultation rate?
2: My hourly consultation? Yeah. I don't do consultations, I train people to do consultations. I've been doing that for 46 years, Okay. I have priests and priestesses all over the world. My time is best used, training people to do that work. One of the problems in black organizations is that they do not train the people with them and under them, so they are not as effective as they need to be.
0: Okay. So how much would it cost to work with you then?
2: How much would it cost? Yeah, yes. Okay, it will cost you a commitment to live in truth. Okay. Which is, you would rather pay money.
0: Excuse me, you don't have to pay money for that? You would
2: rather pay money to do it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, of course.
2: Than to have to live up to that commitment. That's a long training process. Okay. You see that? And uh, because life will, once you step into that path, then you're challenged by your karma. The deeds, the things that within you that needs to change. Mm -hmm. And that, and, and right now you're a very young man, and there's a lot of things that you are yet to experience and overcome. So, read my books, take your time, we have classes here in Atlanta, find out about them, take those classes, right? There are people who've been studying with me for 30, 40 years that will help you to learn these things. Okay. Okay. Great, thank you. Good questions.
3: <clears throat> um, when you're doing the mantra meditation, do you focus on the mantra that would... Uh, would um, give you what you're looking for in the now? Or should you focus on like the mantra that, um, that you get from your readings, that, um, like your incarnation objective?
2: Well, it all depends on what you're doing. In other words, if you are in initiation, there are mantras in that lesson that you're doing, right? Okay, But outside of that lesson, you may have a mantra for a specific goal that you are pursuing. So you work with that every day, too. You see that?
3: But there's no, requ- like, you, you get to the freedom to pick and choose what you do, what mantra Well, you does. get
2: to choose. But also, if you have a teacher, you got to follow what that teacher is prescribing for you. OK? You go to school, you don't, just, there's no Montessori You know for spiritual culture. Okay. You also have a teacher that's going to say, this is what you need.
4: OK, thank you. OK, you're welcome thanks. Thank you for your presence first. Yes, um, my question is, I know you say you bring the mantras into your meditation, and I know that the process of the meditation is broken down in uh, Metzunetra Volume 1, but for people that don't know the actual process of meditating, do you mind giving a brief description?
2: Well, you see, meditation in the Western world, like all things, meditation is one of those things that people think they just can't do, they can do without a teacher. You know? No. Meditation is a, it, it looks simple, but it's a high skill that requires, you know, assistance from teachers. You see that? Okay? So get yourself a good teacher. We have people in here that have been studying meditation now for 20, 30 years, the Kofi, who's a, you know, on the staff of the uh, Morehouse School of Medicine here, can teach you to meditate, you know, and things of that nature. You, you, know, it's, you know, you want to become a doctor, you, you know you need a teacher. Meditation is no different.
5: Right? Thank you. Okay. Greetings, Shechem Shechem.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you.
5: I wanted to um, see if you could elaborate on chanting the mantra for other people, I'd like to help other people.
2: Well, you're chanting the mantra for other people. That's wonderful. You know, the moment you take time out to help somebody in a spiritual way, that is very important. That is a blessed thing. You see that? But the important thing to understand is that when you chant the mantra, you're awakening and strengthening a faculty within you. Mm -hmm. And then you must live by the laws of that faculty and as much as possible by all divine laws. And once you awaken that behavior within you, then you can transfer it on to somebody else.
1: Mm.
2: Remember that. It first has to be awakened within you, and rise to at least a level of competence, not perfection, you know, sincere application, then you can share that with somebody else. Yes, sir.
6: And blessings. Ooh, peace and blessings, sir. Uh, I have a question uh, from a, uh, I just came across some new information involving the vagus nerve and uh, uh, information being able to, uh, and how the thought process works with our, our thoughts being able to possibly come from our heart um, and then the brain is our processor and I was wondering if you knew anything about that or if that was true at all.
2: Well, the whole thing about thoughts coming from the heart and going to the brain, you know, that is a misunderstanding of certain metaphors. You see that? The heart that they were referring to is not the physical heart, but the heart chakra, the anahata, and the herit chakra, the two heart chakras within you, which we want to speak about in the Kundalini Yoga, you know, um, workshop a little later on. Okay? And uh, so that, <clears throat> the thoughts that come into our mind might come from different parts of the spirit, different parts of the psyche, just not simply from the heart chakra, they can come from their, their understanding that people who are very um, hard and harsh, you know, they, they, they function, they think with their solar plexus, Manipura, solar fire, within them, you see that? So uh, there's a lot of behavior that comes from the animal spirit within us. Some come from the prefrontal lobe, the higher parts. So it depends on where you are, what is the source of your thoughts. The positive thing is what you do with them. The important thing is the cultivation of the higher faculties to make sure that the thoughts that come to you are coming from the higher spiritual centers. So you can control that, I must control that.
3: Sir.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You're welcome.
3: <coughs> Thank you. Peace and blessings, Shaquille. It's a blessed to be in your presence. Thank you. <laughs> I have a question concerning uh, the car, the connection with the partner rule and the car in raw.
2: The car of raw?
3: Well, okay. the, your your our personal car. Like, what's the definition? I was I was kind of confused on some things. Like, does the spirit of raw? Does it manifest our car? Is the energy behind our car?
2: Well, the word car is what is the proper understanding of the word pers- person. Person is a vehicle of one of the um, spiritual faculties, nature within us. So each part of the spirit, each faculty, heteru, heru, teu, has its own car. Its own personality modality. You see that. Now, the car of the person, right? Okay, corresponds now to um, a car, a persona that is the synthesis of how the different, you know, angelic forces within them is manifesting. So, in other words, you're, you're a complex <coughs> of the different. Facu- persona faculties. You know, the, the, the intellectual, verbal, imagination, the martial, the legal, all of these work together to create a synthesis that represents, you know, what you look like. But that's not your real persona. Your real persona is Osir, which is what you then have to manifest. Okay? Yes. In, In other words, you have, to, you have to go beyond, okay? Who and what we know you as as you start off life. You must change into your divine persona. Okay? Yes. So do not go to a lady and say, you know, now that you got me, take me as I am. <laughs> no, grow into a divine being.
1: Yes.
2: Offer that to the woman.
1: Mm.
2: That's the persona, the car. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. That's the only car that can fully utilize. The five powers of Ra. Okay? Okay.
3: Yes. Du'a.
2: Okay now.
5: Hello. First, I'd like to start off by saying um, it's really hard to encapsulate how much of an honor it is to have met you in the flesh. Uh, Your books have really changed my life. Um, My question was, what are your views on the cycle of reincarnation and how can we escape in terms of like uh, transcending to higher planes of being?
2: Okay, uh, that, that question comes from Buddhism. See that? The cycles of reincarnation. And I have to say that there is, it betrays a lack of understanding on the, the Buddhist system. You know, you come to <clears throat> the next workshop. There's a chakra inside we call the Nirvana Chakra. Right? There's a faculty called the Nirvana Chakra, that is in charge of your evolutionary growth, your growth into becoming a divine being. Now, Buddhism recognizes the divinity in man,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? If in truth you're a divine being, when you realize you a divine being, would you still, do you, have you not transcended suffering? A divine being, you know, has liberated herself or himself, from suffering. Meaning that once you are a divine being, once you achieve moksha or divinity, you go through life on earth without suffering no matter what is going on. Is that to you? Mm-hmm. That's what nirvana is, the ability to transcend suffering and pain in the midst of losses and difficulties. So once you achieve Divinity, life on earth ceases to be a place of suffering. So you don't you don't need to escape, you know, life on earth. As a as a matter of fact, why do you come to earth in the first place? Because it's only on earth that you can become a divine being. You have to go through the challenges that earth life provides to become a divine being. Meaning that the principle says if, in truth, your divine being, you will be able to conquer the challenges of earthly life. And that supreme conquest is to transcend suffering in the midst of losses and difficulties on earth. You see that? So life is, on earth is not a place of suffering. It's a place of challenges. And only the spiritually unrealized suffers. So that's a problem that Buddhism needs to correct. Mm. OK? Thank you. You're welcome.
3: Hello. It's Hello, an honor hi, hi. meeting you today. Uh-huh. Um, it's a pretty weird general question, but do you feel it's possible to collectively wake up the masses in the 21st century successfully so that the willpower can be utilized to experience the all's potential?
2: Good question. Excellent question, I'm glad you asked that. Thank you. In other words, and forgive me for being a philosopher, you you ask a question over here and I go over here to answer it, right? (laughs) Um, We are going through an evolutionary process. They teach evolution in the schools, in science. But nobody says, well, what is the purpose of evolution? Once we understand that evolution is not a phenomenal phenomenon where different creatures are working out their own thing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it is really, you know, a, a process to achieve one goal. And all things are contributing to the achievement of that one goal. Okay? And when we look at, if we study evolution in the proper way, we will see a sequence of progression from the simplest to the most complex, from the mindless to the most mindful, from the basis to the greatest cognitive abilities. You see that? And once we understand that, we're going to find out that Homo sapiens is not the acme of civilization. It's not the end goal of evolution. Yeah, The end goal of evolution is to bring forth what we call Homo sapiens, spiritualis, not homo sapiens sapiens, because homo sapiens sapiens is still a problem. He knows how to do things, you know, how to create you know, a rocket-propelled lance, spear, to shoot out and kill something in outer space, you see that? The goal is to create homo spiritualis, a man that is now spiritual, you see that? Meaning, and that comes now from a selective process. You see that. So eventually, you know, as you know, more spiritual teachings come into manifestation, and more spiritual people come into manifestation. Those genes will be passed on. And eventually, you see that. Okay, they will may not be in the first century, maybe into the second to third century, where we're going to find people with, uh, being born with a more developed prefrontal lobe, for example, right? Don't forget that Fox P42, the, la- the ability for language, only came in to evolution about 60,000 to ninety thousand years ago. You see that, and it was now before that the hominids couldn't talk. Now, the hominids, homo sapientists, can talk and store and pass on information. So now we don't have to go through the lesson, we have the activated gene. So the prefrontal lobe, okay, which is the resting place of the homo spiritualis, the spiritual man, that too will evolve. And somewhere, be it this or the next, one, I know you would like it to be this century, hopefully in your lifetime. I don't know, but I just want to do my job to make sure that enough people pass on, you know, an evolved gene to the posterity.
1: It will come to pass. (laughs)
5: Thank you. Um, I just want to thank you, firstly, for uh, coming out and spreading the word with us. Um, I'm going to Egypt later this year, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can so that when I get there, I'll know what I'm looking at. You mentioned something earlier in passing about um, how the pyramids contain the secrets of mathematics and science and things of that nature. Could you elaborate on that and tell me what exactly you've learned about them through your studies and what their intended purpose was?
2: Well, to get into what you can learn from the pyramids itself uh, will take us too far and long in this lecture here. But I have a book, maybe they have copies outside, uh, not out of Greece. There's a chapter inside there that gives you all of the, you know, the hidden mathematics and geometry, which are the keys to the mathematics of life and engineering and science. Okay? Hidden in the pyramids.
5: Which book was this again?
2: Not out of Greece. Okay. Right? In other words, the African origins of Western civilization. Okay? That's one of my books out there. And, um, but when you go to Egypt, the are that they're going to give you, will teach you nothing about this. I figured that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Peace, peace. Peace. Um, I heard you speaking today uh, in regards to the life force, and I uh, read your books, and one of the questions that uh, came to mind when you were speaking was on the Ba. Uh, you spoke about the seven bodies, the spiritual bodies, from the continent on up. Uh, and today, hearing you speak about the life force, it seems like, uh, to me, from my understanding, it's like it's almost the same as the Bach. So is there a difference? Is there some type of differentiation? Now the life different force is a force. Mm-hmm. It's the energy that makes it happen. It's, think of it, of it as the electric energy that the dynamo from your car mm-hmm. produces. That electric force and the force in the gasoline now has to work through you know, a mechanism, right? right? That's going to operate the car. So the Ba is mechanism that enables, that's where the, the, the divine persona also resides, in that part is where called the Ba. Okay. You see that? Mm-hmm. Okay? The life force is a force that, you see, runs the physical body on the psyche, and then it is then transmuted into shin, okay, or spiritual, force to nourish the spiritual faculties. You see that? See that. Okay? And you, know, you need to study traditional Chinese medicine and classical Chinese medicine to understand that spirit is an entity made up of faculties that need to be nourished. One of the biggest problem is not, not knowing spiritual teachings, is having an undernourished spirit because you don't have enough chi hmm. within you because you're eating bad food, you're eating inorganic food, food with gluten, you're eating food with contaminants, you're not eating the right kinds of foods, you're not eating supplements, you're not drinking pure water, you're drinking positively, you know, ionized. Oxygen, so you're not getting enough chi life force, so yeah, right. and then you're not involved in the spiritual practices, qigong, and the right qigong to transmute qi into shen, meaning the energy that will then nourish your spiritual force. Is that crazy, folks? And the ba needs the ba is one of seven, but it consumes like twenty-five percent of your shan force. Mm. Thank you, sir. Okay? Appreciate that. All right. Peace and blessing. Space is a science. Yes.
7: Greetings. Greetings um, there. I am bringing you a message from a student that couldn't be I'm here sorry? I'm bringing you a message from a student that couldn't be here this particular student studied under you for 20 years while he was incarcerated so I'm gonna read his message he couldn't be here and we apologize for that he's my mate so I've been studying under him and I'm a first time student he's supposed
2: to be <laughs> sorry. Sorry.
7: <laughs> so he says it his question is he states that He said, you stated that one through three, meaning the meta-netter, one through three is a must. One through three lays the blueprint for understanding the spiritual anatomy. Why go straight to volume six? Why? Yeah, that's the question. He's asking. three is one, one. He's saying that you state to each new student. Mm-hmm. you must get the foundation, which is one through volumes, one well, through volumes three. Well,
2: volumes one, two, three. Go on, so okay. he's
7: asking the question is, are we to jump straight to six, or should we go through the volumes and then progress to six? Okay.
2: In other words, can we just start with volume six? Yes, mm-hmm. you can, because volume six has enough information in it on how to use it.
7: That's what I say.
2: see, in other <laughs> words, um, right now you have financial relationships Health problems, you know, law problems that can't wait for you to go through ones, one, two, three. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. You need an answer. You need a relief yesterday. Indeed.
7: Indeed. Thank you, sir. So I try
2: to compartmentalize, but of course, at the end of the day, you have to lay the foundation. But sometimes you, sure. you, you, you do surgery. And then you nourish. Yeah.
7: Because in volume one, I'm having trouble with just trying to decipher your information. I mean, I have to take hours on end to just get through one chapter. And so he's, I guess he's questioning well, she should go through one before she jumps to six.
2: Well, that's the question one of the first people came up and asked, right? Mm. One through three requires for you to go through with a teacher. Mm. And it's also the foundation of using the oracle. Which also requires a counselor, a coach. Wonderful.
7: Wonderful.
2: You see that, meaning that yes, my books are textbooks to be used in an educational setting. Mm. You know, yes. and this is the problem with spirituality. Once again, the Western idea is that when it comes to spirituality, oh, I can self-educate myself. It is simple. No, spirituality is not rocket science. It's mm. deeper.
7: Indeed, indeed.
2: You need a teacher.
7: Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Thank
7: you so much, and thank you for
8: coming. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the lecture. Uh, I was wondering if you could um, uh, just give us the benefit of your decades of experience with teaching, um, and if you have any advice about uh, raising small children and you know, kind of how to introduce them to this um, knowledge. Because I think the way that I learned was as an adult, and so I maybe feel a little less prepared to teach them as children.
2: Well. Teach, teaching little children starts with, ex, with role modeling. Mm. You have to give them role models. You have to walk the teachings. Mm. Your family has to manifest the teachings. Okay, Otherwise, the children will be confused. And guess what? They'll call you out, too.
1: Yeah.
2: How come you angry? <laughs> So you have to read the teaching and show them. Mm. And then you have to also seed them with the information that bears the teaching, not with you know, an aim to reason mm. with them, mm. because the reasoning faculties doesn't come into being until much, much later. Mm. But you have to make sure that, you, that your speech reflects divine law. If you're saying things, you know, you come home from work and you say, oh, mommy had a stressful day. Mm. The job was so stressful today, you just put the wrong thought into that child's mind. Mm. That's what I'm saying. uh, Have you ever met my book, Stress-Free for Life? Mm. Get that book, because stress is not something that you're supposed to have. And it's totally under no such thing as stressful things. Yeah. You have stress responses that are well, 100% under your control. Mm. Eliminate them. So your example, your role modeling. You see that? Mm-hmm. Get my book. Make relationships work. Give them an example of working relationships. Mm. You know, you walk around saying, "Oh, I don't need no woman. I don't need no man." Mm. That's teaching the wrong thing. You see that? <laughs> and so on right okay thank you
5: you're welcome greetings i just had a quick question only because um you know i would have had a million by the time i got up here and would have forgot all of them but um i was just thinking um about the components of harmonious body mind and spirit
2: components, so, of what?
5: components of the 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 body mind and the spirit the the important harmonious aspects of the body mind and spirit for the simple fact like i'll try to put it to where you can understand what i'm trying to say Like, for instance, you have Islam, or you have Christianity, or you have Judaism, and all of them have different languages. And they'll all try to uh, generally come back to the one concept of the harmonious spirit. And I'm trying to figure out if it's important, if if you would say that it was important for you to speak a specific tone, vibration, or whatever the case may be, is that more important than the actual thought focus? You know what I'm saying? So the unconscious or subconscious thought focus, is that more powerful than the actual utterance of speech?
2: Well, first of all, you have to understand exactly what is it that we're doing. Okay? Um, You want to build up your biceps. You need to send more blood and energy to it, correct? Mm. So that's why you go to the gym, you curl, right? Because it needs more energy and blood flowing to the biceps. I want to awaken a faculty that will make me more moral or make me uh, more successful financially. That's a faculty that I have to send more energy to, not thoughts. Now, when I send more energy to that faculty, okay, that faculty, and you're going to read read my book, can manifest positive and negative things, right? You see that? Mm -hmm. So I have to now direct the function of that faculty through the content of the thoughts. So you need the energy, which is chanting the mantra, you see that, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and the chi, Kong experience, breathing techniques, but also need to have the vision, you see that. Football player needs to visualize the maneuvers, the game tactics and strategies, but it's got to work out. Pump some iron, you see that? Mm -hmm. So the same thing here. Tip, how are we doing? Okay, now it's time to feed the inner man. That you had an excellent night, right? We have to give a hand to the people who cook the food. Oh, yeah. So, how are we doing, folks? Good? All right, now. So, light. On Kundalini Yoga. All right, I, I call this light because exactly what it is, people have been kept in the dark. Okay? <clears throat> Let me begin with a little historical background because what I'm about to share with you might seem shocking. Okay? Um yoga, okay? As it is presented to the world for the past two hundred years or so, is a hybrid system. It's a system that combines the Vedantic teachings of northern civilizations, the western man, the Euro-Asian man, with the traditions of African people indigenous to India, Mesopotamia and Africa. You go back to 2500 BC, 2000 BC, What was practiced as Kundalini Yoga was entirely different than what is practiced today. Yoga is essentially an African, a black tradition that goes back to the Harappa Valley civilization of Indus Kush, the Kushites of India. To this day, the mountains surrounding that valley are called the Kush Mountains. And the valley is the Kush Valley. And many of you who are students of ancient history, you know that there were two Kushes, right? A Kush south of Egypt and a Kush that is India. Okay? And the tradition, you know, when the northern Euro-Asians, the Europeans, the Aryan, ethnic group invaded India, they didn't have any knowledge of yoga. They brought an entire different system, okay? And once they learned the yogic tradition as normally you would expect, they put their own spin on it, Vedanta. So there are two major teachings, the Vedanta or the Vaidika system of yoga and the Jainist system of yoga, which is based on the Eurasian way of thinking and understanding. And then there is the Shramanic surviving as the Tantrika system, And when I say tantra, I will beg you to forget about everything that you think you know about tantra. Has nothing to do per se with sex. That might be shocking to most of you who uh, are building some type of a career around sex tantra. I'm serious because here's the Beautiful, extraordinarily spiritualizing system that has been dragged down into the gutter. Not that sex, sex is not dirty, but to take aloft the spiritual teachings and make it a sexual pleasurable thing is criminal. Before the Europeans, the Aryans, the Eurasians came to the subcontinent we call India. The yoga that was practiced was called Shramanic, not Shamanic, Shra, S H R A, the yoga of the Shramans. That's the original yoga. There were fourteen chakras, not seven. Before going any further, if a mechanism has 14 parts in it, and you are taught to use this mechanism, and they teach you only about seven of the 14, how well do you think you'll do? You want to buy a car, and they give you a carburetor with auto, carburet it's supposed to be eight pistons, eight, you know, but they only give you four pistons, you know? Oh, you want a battery? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm talking about here? If there are 14 chakras, if in truth there are 14 chakras and there's a teaching based on seven of the 14, what do you think the outcome will be? It's a saying that man only uses like 10% of his brain power, okay? And what do you think would happen if the man was using 20%, 80%, 100%, would he do much better? So if you're only using 7 or 14, do you think you'd do better with 8, 10, or 14 of them? I mean, you know, let's be reasonable here. Let's use the common sense, the mother wit that we were given. So the invaders came. They were conquerors. These were people who, when we look into their history, well, I said prehistory, because they didn't have a history. They didn't write anything down. They had no script. So when we look into their lifestyle, they had invented very little. They tamed the horse. And they were warriors, not building their own. You know, their wealth was by conquering, conquest, plunder, and so on. So they came from the north, invaded. And when they came into the north, they saw huge buildings in what we call India, Harappa, and Mohenjo-daro. What's Mohenjo-daro? huge, beautiful city built for the dead, for the ancestors. Imagine coming into a civilization and you find a whole city built for the ancestors. There's no such thing in the north. Not even to this day. In Egypt, there's a valley of the kings. A whole city carved into tunnels into the mountains and so forth for the dead. In 1986, I spent the Christmas season in Ghana. I was installed as a king, an Ashanti king, in 1985. Okay, I was given the title of Odeneho, King of Kings was made the core rule of Agogo, Ashanti region, and I was given a parma kingship in Kumasi by the Santa end of the II. So I was able to attend the last Akweside. There are nine Akwesides. Every 40 days on a Sunday, there's a phenomenal ritual is done, okay, to honor the ancestors. And at the last acquisit of the year, which happens in December, <clears throat> the Ashanti king of kings, the Tumpur, he and his kings and the queen mothers and the high priests, they all go to the royal mausoleum, place bigger than this hall has the stools, the retired stools, the blackened stools of the kings and the queen mothers. And they go and the priests and priestesses go to tribes and receive the messages from the ancestors to instruct the king and the kings and the queen mothers what they must focus on to discharge their function as Leaders for the next year to come. This is ancestor worship. This is ancestor ritual, ancestor tradition. You will find nothing like that in China. You'll find nothing like that in Europe. So when you come to ancient black India, the India of the Dravidians, called the Dalit today or the Untouchables, the lowest caste, they're not to even touch. These are people who, before they were conquered and the civilization destroyed, built huge cities for the dead. Harappa, where the living dwelt, had streets. The cobblestones, two, three-story buildings. One of your answers, you look like, you, like one of those guys from Haraba Valley, living in a triplex. <laughs> yeah! As a matter of fact, <laughs> southern India, Orisha. It's a city called Orisha. Same thing like Orisha, Orisha, Orisha in Nigeria. With the Naga, like the Nagos, the Nagas. <laughs> of India, you know something like about you still find that there, right? You go out here, people are blue-black. They make us look like white people. <laughs> you know what I mean, the word Hindu, Hindustan, means land of the Indo, the Indigo people. When the white man came, he saw people that were so black, with a bluish hue to them, he said, this is the land of the indigo blue people, the blue-black people they were so black. This is what was in India when yoga was created by the Shramans. You understand that? They came, and <clears throat> when they saw this beautiful civilization, Huge buildings of stones had nothing like that up north. And you know what they saw when they came to the king's palace? The king was a woman. A matriarchal civilization. Here is a male chauvinist people, warriors coming into a place built up and ruled by a matriarchy. That didn't go over too well. Today it's slashed, burnt, destroyed, okay? It wasn't an overnight thing, it went on for decades, until eventually, after a hundred years of fighting, they established themselves. Knowing that the source of the people's power was their spirituality. Then, now, that had to be destroyed. So the teachers that taught in buildings like this, like universities, temples of knowledge, the houses were burnt down. They had to go hide in the jungle, in the mountains to teach secretly. So this idea of a guru being somebody who retires to the mountains and only teach word of mouth to a few disciples, that is a distorted story. This was survival. They could not teach openly. The universities, temple universities were destroyed. You hear something about mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> the resistance came, okay? And they, you know, went through several periods of resistance, and, you know, come back and put back down, and come back and put back down, and the system went through different oppressive things, first the Vedantins, then uh, the, the, the Buddhists, either came and then uh, the Muslims came, but there was a unified front against the original yogic teachings. So what you learn today is a distortion. And it is simply seen in the fact that they're teaching seven chakras when they are 14 chakras. Now if you ask people, what is a chakra? They say, a chakra is a wheel. No, chakra is not a wheel. Okay? I, the wheel of a chakra has to do with the fact that a chakra is also a circle of initiates. People will sit in a circle called a chakra, okay, to go through the initiation work. A chakra is a faculty of the spirit. Does it look like a wheel? No. Does it look like, like, this? Does it look like petals? Like, like, like a lotus? No. That's a metaphor. That's a picture word. You've heard the word pictures, right? So coin the new term, picture words. Because when you look at these these, these hieroglyphs, these pictures, try to find the words, a thousand words behind it. Just don't keep moving on and gloss over. You understand that? Okay? So let us. So what are chakras, the faculties of the spirit? You know, the spiritual of vehicles of man. This is from a book called Laya Yoga. Okay, I don't know if you can see it. But at the very top, is a laser pointer in this? Is a laser pointer in this? Okay, all right. At the very top, is looks like a rainbow up there? That's the Sahasrara chakra, which, in the system, is located outside. Most of the chakras are said to be inside the body, right? So Sahasrara is above the body. Okay, Sahasrara is a chakra with a thousand forces, awakened forces. Right? That's where, when you're waking a force, you know, in other words, your chakra system includes 14 chakras, you know, that, you know, uh, you you know, have 50, okay, 50 single units of power called bijas, okay? And each power in a seed mantra, bija, okay, is protected by an evil.
5: Excuse me, sir. Yes, yeah. there's the button at the very
2: top. Hmm?
5: You said that the uh, laser is the button at the very top of it.
2: Is that the button you've been using? Yes, sir. Oops. That's a machine. Look There's a red button right there. see if that works. Oh, there it is. Okay, oh, okay. <laughs> see? So. This here, that's this uh, right chakra here, right? And it's a thousand units of power. So it stores the powers that you have awakened and purified. Right? When I chant a seed, one of the 50 seed mantras which corresponds... Hey, any Kabbalists here, students Kabbalah? No? you got to... Excuse me. Let me say something, right, folks? Right. If you want to know religion, your religion, you have to study religions. Just not yours. Please, right? Or the Chinese says, "A man of wisdom does not eat at home. He goes to have dinner in distant places." Okay. In the Kabbalah, there are fifty gates of power and of knowledge. Kali wears a skull, of 50 50 skulls, a necklace of 50 skulls around her neck. The skulls are the 50 human traits that have been risen above. Right? Because you're not a human being, right? You're a divine being. Remember that, right? If you come to yoga or spirituality to become a better human being, you're doing the wrong thing. You can't put the human behind, because that's the source of your problem. You're a divine being. Take no prisoners. So Sahasrara has 50. In Chinese medicine, there's a, a point on the top of the crown center called the bahui, a place of a thousand meetings. That's where all 50 units of powers, awakening of powers, meet and unified. When your Sahasrara is filled with the 50 gates of wisdom and power, then and only then you're a functional divine being. You've realized your potential. That's your goal in Kundalini Yoga. Right underneath that, over here, is the guru chakra, huh? The guru chakra is the teacher. The guru is the teacher, But that teacher is God. You have a chakra that allows God to talk to you, to guide you. Because eventually, that's the teacher you want. You want to share in God's omniscience, God's knowledge of everything. That guru chakra is one of the 14, one of the 14 chakras that were left out, one of the seven chakras that were left out. Don't forget that the system that you're taught only has seven chakras. Let's, let's look at it first, right? Those seven chakras are the Sahasrara, okay? Oops, I keep... yes. is... Okay, uh, there you go, right? The seven chakras, incorrect system is in Sahasra, Ajña, okay, around here. And it lines up with the um, sp- space by the, between the eyebrows, right? This is called third eye, which is not, it's not a third eye. That's two. Okay, that's two chakras. The third one is Vishuddha, the throat. Then Anahata, the heart. Then Manipura the solar plexus of the navel, then swastisthana, the sex wall, and then Muladhara, the root point, right? So these are the seven chakras of the flawed system. The other seven chakras are Guru, right here, Visarga, Nirvana, Indu, okay, Manas, Talu, and Hrit. These are the seven chakras that were left out. A good book on the flawed system will mention some of these chakras and tell you that they're minor chakras, why they aren't really given much space and time. And when you get into what they really are, you will find that they are not minor chakras. As a matter of fact, they are the major chakras. You see that? They left out guru, right? Who rules chakra that when fully awakened will enable you to get guidance from God. Okay? The word Kabbalah comes from the verb, the Hebrew word, the Canaan verb Kabbal, And the hieroglyph for the Hebrew word Kabbal is the hand open in the sign of receiving, you know, guidance from God because you see, spiritual knowledge and power can only come from God. Can I come, a man cannot give it to you. Only God can. All a man can tell you is to teach you how to go to God. Okay, and any man that wants to argue with that, you know, has a problem of hubris. So I hope he can get better wings than a set of wax wings. The next chakra is the Visarga. Visarga chakra is the chakra that governs your spiritual metabolism. Okay? Metabolism is building up and letting go, right? It is the anabolic function of building up and letting go what is useless and so on, right? So the Visarga chakra is what takes the spiritual knowledge that you have. You know, um, accumulated and sends it up to Sahasra and excrete the rest as refuse, right? The human stuff, Visariga gets rid of, the divine things, Visariga takes up to Sahasra. You know what I'm talking about now? <clears throat> and that Visariga chakra is called the power bridge because there are two bridges. The Visariga bridge and the Antarkarana bridge of the manas, which we we'll talk about later on, meaning what connects, right? So the Vizarga connects, you see, uh, um, the human experiences to become a divine being with the holiest divine divinity within you, Sahasrara. You understand that? Okay, you with me? Okay. See, so this thing needs to be a little bigger. Can you uh, raise it up, huh? So, underneath the Zara comes nirvana. You can see it there? The nirvana chakra, right? Nirvana chakra, okay, is a chakra that governs your spiritual evolution, meaning that you're not a divine, you don't don't come into this world a divine being. You understand that? Okay, you don't come into this world, you know, endowed with your divinity. You know, uh, the evolutionary agenda has taken mankind only to the Homo sapiens sapientist level. Okay, how, does, how is Homo sapiens behaving? Good? He's creating missiles and nuclear weapons, okay? He's creating, you know, religious clerics that are raping little boys, you know, he's. You know, it, it, homo sapiens is a sorry mess. Why? Because it's not a finished product. That's all. Meaning that the goal of civilization is to bring forth a spiritual man. One of you asked me, "Will one day, hopefully in this century, will we see will people be born divine? Yes, not in this, you know, century, but we are at that point in evolution where human beings have to intercede in their own evolution now. Remember, to all of you, every person in the world today is a very old person. Because you see, <laughs> first, there were one cell. That was your mother's cell. And that cell was your grandmother's cell. And that cell was your great-grandmother's cell. And it goes all the way back to that first Homo sapiens, or whatever preceded that. Hopefully, it's something good. <laughs> Don't forget that cells replicate by splitting into one becoming two, two becoming four, and they replicate, and they combine, and then all the organs come into being. Now, your foot, legs, eyes, but it comes from one cell, which was your mother cell, <clears throat> activated by the father cell, and so on, right? And it goes all over, even your father cell goes way back to that, First great great ancestor, ancestral male. You understand that? So you are a continuous, you know, part of a continuous chain. It wasn't like, you know, a cell came and mated with another cell and a third cell you came into being. No, it's the same cell that replicates into all the cells that make up your body, but I came from one cell and it came from one cell, that's the same cell that goes all the way back, right? And what is passed genetically is just not simply the color of your eyes and the type of hair and your body type. What is passed genetically is all the things that your group achieved. Secretary, see? No, no, that's why you know, they breed certain animals with certain, you know, uh, skills, because skills are past. Okay, I'm not talking eugenics, that nonsense, this, uh, but you've got to understand that skills are past. Accomplishments, especially that are part of the evolutionary agenda, such as spiritual skills, okay, meaning that, you know, if this generation, Okay, supports and protects and develops the prefrontal lobe. That prefrontal lobe, developed prefrontal lobe gene, is passed on for the simple fact that the prefrontal lobe is the centerpiece of man's survival. It is the weak and prefrontal lobe, the damaged prefrontal lobe by too much drugs and alcohol and sugar and so forth, that is the main cause of the problems in civilization today. Okay? That prefrontal lobe is that part of the brain. It's a little small part of the brain on your forehead. Okay? All right? We'll talk about it a little later. So the nirvana chakra is a chakra that, you see, governs your spiritual evolutionary growth. That chakra is, is it, it, it holds, you know, your destiny, a lesson for, you know, this life. Okay? Brings you into experiences, you know, most of which, you know, are very painful and challenging to force you to move to the next step on the evolutionary ladder. And the idea of suffering associated to nirvana is because we grow through challenge, and challenge is always painful to the on. Un- developed person, and the Buddhists unfortunately thought that nirvana meant that life is painful. Life is painful only if you suffer, meaning that our spiritual goal is to get to the point where all hell has fallen apart and you are at peace. How many of you has been, have been able to be fully at peace since fell apart? Raise your hand. Okay, we have about some ten hands went up, that's good. We're making progress. <laughs> okay, how many of you were at peace when something fell apart? Yeah? No. The abilities, the dynamics behind you being at peace for that situation is transportable to all other situations because underneath every event in life is the same set of faculties and shaping factors. You know what I'm talking about? That? It's not that I'm transcending fear of X, I'm transcending fear, period. So fear of X is transcended with the same truths that fear of Z and anger about A, and grieving about C. Underneath it is the same spiritual teaching, the same spiritual truth, that you're peaceful by nature. So you have to, at some point as you go along, abstract, abstract, find the abstract, the underlying principle. When you find the underlying principle to see that you're not going through different kinds of experiences, but the same experience, then you, you understand by seeing the underlying principle. Am I making sense here? That's the Nirvana chakra, powerful chakra, mantra khrin. Then we come to the manas chakra. Okay, the author put it above the Ajna, that was a mistake. But the manas chakra is a chakra that governs your mind, the verbal processing and the imagery processing faculties within you. Your verbal thinking and your imagery thinking is governed by the manas chakra, and that's the antar-karana bridge. Okay, meaning that it bridges okay um, you and your psychic nature. Okay, we talk about that a little bit. Later, then we come to the Ajna Chakra. The Ajna Chakra is the forehead over here, okay, and it corresponds to what Hindu books refer to as the third eye. There's no third eye. It represents you and your function as perceptor. You are that which perceives. The eye doesn't see. The ears doesn't hear, but who hears? Who sees? You. That which answers the eye is the seer, the perceiver, which cannot be seen because it has no shape, no form, no taste, no solidity, No you. You are an imperceptible being that perceives. You're, only, you're the only being that perceives. Within, you're the only entity that perceives within your being. Your mind cannot see. Your mind uh, doesn't think. It generates thoughts, mechanically, but doesn't think. It doesn't perceive. You are the seer. So they, you know? So they, they books at the third eye, just as a way of distinguishing it from your two physical eyes, the real seer, the ashnia. You understand that? Okay? But you, you see what is in the metaphysical part of your being, and the metaphysical world through the asana chakra. When that chakra is fully developed, you will, see, you will be able to see all your thoughts where they really come from, all your feelings. You will be able to see many of the other entities that dwell in the unconscious realm, all the archetypes and things of that nature. Okay. Because your ability to see, to look out into the world, is the Herit chakra right down here. This is the Herit chakra right down here. Okay? That's where you you take up residence in this chakra when you're awake. Right now, if you ask me, in what chakra am I residing, I would say in the Herit chakra, you're awake. Huh? When you meditate or you go to sleep, you're not residing in the Ajna chakra. The Ajna and the Hirit chakra are the two vehicles in which you reside. That's your function, right? Don't forget, each chakra has its function. Your dwelling place is Ajna and Herit. You see that? Talk about Herit a little bit more. Then we come now to the Talu. The Talu is the chakra that uh, tampers the fire within you. Kundalini is a fiery force, and oftentimes it can get too hot. And the talu functions keeps it from destroying the, the internalizing function, the yin within you, okay? And that chakra, you know, when the, anybody practices qigong, and one of the qigong practices is to make saliva and swallow 36, 50 times, right? to dampen the chakra, the heat from the tan tian. So that's what a talu is. A talu is a chakra right underneath the, uh, the tongue, the salivary glands that you work, you know, mechanically to generate, you know, uh, saliva. Saliva so is not simply saliva. There are enzymes and nourishing things in it that helps to keep the tan tian fire from destroying your yin, your internal vitalizing functions. It's very important. Is it a minor? Is it a minor, minor, minor? That's not minor stuff, right? Meaning that, I... so if you didn't work with the guru chakra, you cannot be intuited by God. So how is it a minor chakra? How could they leave that chakra out? If it's governs your spiritual growth, Okay, if I work with Zyarga, it helps me to grow spiritually better, faster, understand the challenges of life and meet them better. Does, does that make it a minor chakra? Why leave it out? Okay, uh, they, they put the Hindu chakra. The Hindu chakra is a chakra okay, where the law, the Dharma, is stored, meaning that all the laws of the spirit, the laws that make up a spiritual life are stored in the Hindu chakra. Meaning that, you know, if you work on the Hindu chakra, the mantra shirin, okay, kamalatmika, okay, if you work on that chakra and you work with it, you chant the mantra of it, okay, and you, eventually you begin to intuit divine law. Nobody had to teach you the divine laws will come to you. How many of you read my book, "The 11, Laws of God? That's why I got the laws. It's stored within you. Just that you are in a tradition that is not about going within to learn. They want you to come and pay $100,000 per semester for a course to learn from the outside. That's good if you want to learn accounting and chemistry, but not about how to live properly, how to live a good life, and how to solve the problems in the world. That's the Indu chakra. Then we come to the Vishuddha chakra. That was included, the Vishuddha chakra. Vishuddha, okay? Shuddha means to purify. So the Vishuddha chakra is a chakra through which do you purify the four lower chakras within you. Because the four lower chakras are the psychic chakras, right? The psychic chakras are responsible for your animalistic behavior, your human behavior. But it's also the source of your magical powers. You see that? And all magical powers are protected by evil behavior. Meaning, you want to be a magician, you want to be able to, to chant a word of power and increase your wealth, you have to overcome the evil within you. You want to use magical powers to get a good wife, a good husband, fix your life, overcome the evil within you. You have to conquer the evil forces and demoniac, demon, demoniac behavior within you. That's a nice setup. I love the ways of God. God is very wise. You know, you, you, want, you want me to share my power with you? but get rid of the evil within you. Some of y'all, what evil? The evil is that, you know, um, you know we, have, we have four brains. Not one. We have a reptilian brain that was evolved about 500 million years ago in the reptilian kingdom. There were no mammals then. We, we have that brain. It's sitting right... It's the size of a thumb sitting right at the base of your head. That's a brain all by itself. Wrapped around it is the mammalian brain that was evolved 20 or 50 million years ago. That's the limbic or mammalian brain or the midbrain, okay, which is a source of mammalian behavior. Then about 100 million years ago, the human brain, the cortex, was developed. And that brain, right, is the human brain. And then about 60, um, 100,000 years ago, okay, uh, the prefrontal lobe, some say actually 100,000 years ago, you know, which is the brain now that makes us divine. You see that? Okay? So you gotta understand that, you know, each brain that comes is supposed to tamper down the brain beneath it. The human, the, the, the divine brain, prefrontal lobe, it controls the three lower. The cortex is supposed to control the midbrain and the reptilian. The mammalian controls the reptilian, meaning the reptilian brain is like a snake, a reptile, okay? It has no feelings towards anything. It's, it works solo cold heart, cold-blooded, okay? So when that reptilian brain dominates you, you're selfish. You care only about you. Sometimes you don't even care about yourself, you take on roles where you might be an assassin. It doesn't bother you that you will die. Can cannot feel it, you see that. Then the mammalian brain, you see, bonds us with others through emotions and sensuality. Okay? Why? Because it increases our survival. Now I have to be nice to you. But the nice to you, you know, uh, lacks philosophy. It's just emotional, sensual. That's when the cortex comes to, to then weave philosophies and ideas to, to bond us now through philosophical ideas. You with me? Now I can, you know, say, well, you know, our spirit is bigger than blood, and have that kind of talk, and <laughs> and have romantic talk, you know? And things like nature, say that, I love you, you're a god, you're a goddess. But the thing is that that, those are words that are not capable of true morality. That's the prefrontal lobe that brings now true spiritual knowledge and power to us, you see that? The problem is that the prefrontal lobe in the world, you know, is genetically passing on Damaged genes to the generations because of the abuse of alcohol. You know, the CDC tells you that there is no such thing as a small, you know, harmless amount of alcohol. Check it out. Or some of you all think that there's a certain amount of alcohol that does no harm. Well, check with the CDC. Alcohol is a solvent. It starts to dissolve fatty tissue right away. And your brain and your nervous system has a, you know, requires that fatty tissue to which it transmits its electrical powers and light. You see that? The omega-3 and omega-6 fatty material in your brain are light transmitters. Meaning, if you, stop on, if you speak to the neurologists, the neuroscientists, they'll tell you that you know, uh, reactions in the nervous system occurs too fast for it to be transmitted through the chemical electrical impulses of passing information from nerve to nerve. They told you about the synapses and how things crosses that chemical barrier to pass information along, along the nerve synapses, right? That is too slow for the majority of thought and processes that take place. The thought processes that take place are transmitted through light. They are working at the speed of light, and the vehicle for it are the omega-3 fatty acids in the nervous system, and all it takes is this smidgen of alcohol to break that fatty tissue down. But why do we have to drink alcohol? Why? Just a nutrition. of fact, what's alcohol but uh, waste matter from fungus? The fungus eats sugar, and excretes alcohol as a waste product. So you're drinking fungal excrement. Your choice. <laughs> I'd rather sit down to an apple. That turns me on. <laughs> so Vishuda purifies, you know, these lower chakras here. And Anahata is the heart center, okay, that enables me to bond with others through emotions and sensuality. Okay? And as a philosopher says, you know, it's a thin line between love and hate. That's when your bonding is emotional, it has to be, your know, bonding with others must come from the Hindu level. They come a latmica up here, right? So it's coming from the prefrontal lobe and not from the so-called you know, uh, mythological heart. The Hrith is a faculty that enables, It's the dwelling in place, that's where you dwell when you are awake. And if it's not fully developed, you're not fully awake in the world. Most people are not fully awake in the world, you see that, okay? And when you're not fully awake in the world, the world beats up on you, you cannot conquer, you cannot master the earth, you see that, okay? And as a result, you want to kill yourself, your life is too hard, you want to run away from the earth. You were sent here to be the master of the earth. You were sent here to manifest your power of mind over matter. But you need to awaken all of these 14 chakras to achieve it. It's just not you, you know, um, so-called like, attracting like, or focusing on what you want and you're going to get it. It's not that simple. Okay? Just inspect the lives of the people who sold you that book about, you know, all you got to do is just simply, you know, keep it up in your mind and you get it. Because look at them, they ain't got it. No, I'm serious, you serious, right? Okay, I thought it's too big. They need to make these dials bigger.. <laughs> okay, what's going on here? Okay, so we have the manipura, which is the solar plexus, which is the fire center it corresponds to the Taoist Tantian, the Hara. Okay? That's a fire when that chakra is strongly mani or jewels. So Manipura means pura, a city of jewels, meaning that when that chakra is fully awakened, you have the fire to go out there and, you know, wheel and deal and, you know, be the, the, the entrepreneur and make things happen. But that fire, you know, is not a moral fire. So... If you don't have other things happening, you'll trample on others and even trample on your own life to get what you want. You with me? Okay? Uh, then underneath that comes the Swadhisthana, which is your sexual pleasure or the pleasure principle within you. Okay? That's one of the dominant chakras in the world today. And underneath it now is the Mudadhara, which are your, the instincts that do not, level, do not rise to the level of cognition. You have these subconscious precognitive things driving you. Like you want to mate. You go, Why do you want to mate? Everybody does. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, survival. You don't have to have a philosophy to protect yourself, to protect your life. That's, you have an instinct to stay alive, you know? And so on. Somebody attacks your child, you jump in there, to, it's an instinctive thing, right? And some instincts are good, some are bad. Why? Because all your instincts are animal endowments, and some of them don't fit into the human or the spiritual life, and you at some point have to learn to fix that. But fixing it is just not an academic, intellectual thing. You have to go into the spirit. The chakras are the vehicles of the spirit. You see that? So so the shamanic tradition of 14 chakras. Okay? It's the original system. The system that we are now learning is the uh, Vedantic and the Jainess of seven chakras. Okay, so you think that that's what it is? No. That is what they're teaching you. So, we have nine spiritual faculties, Sahasra, Guru, Visarga, Nirvana, Nirvana, Indu, Manas, Ajna, Talu, Harit. Okay, five psychic, Vishuddha, Anahata, Manipura, Svitana, Muladhara. Now, the powers to achieve your things in the world are those four lower chakras. Anahata, Manipura, Sulitana, Mulahara. You see that? Okay? Those are the elemental chakras. And before you work with those chakras, you have to first you know, awaken and, be, and work with these nine spiritual faculties, Okay, Guru was left out. Vizarga, Nirvana, Indu, Manas, Talu, and Hirit <coughs> were left out of the popular notion of the seven chakras. So, what was left out is this, the, the spiritual work. So, you get into—if you fortunately most of what they teach you on the other side is ineffective. Thank God because if, if they were able to, to teach you effectively, right, you would be a mess, you would be in trouble. Okay? Now, the Buddhists went even further and reduced the 14 chakras to 5 chakras. You see that? And the, the reason is why. The reason is that you know, if you study a book of numerology, they will know that you know, uh, the way things are organized you know, in nature some things follow a code of nine, other things follow a code of four, or five, or three, or seven, you know? So the seven chakras, you know, followed a septenary arrangement that people were following and then they made everything fit into it. And they left out what didn't fit in, just leave it out. The Buddhists follow, you know, the five elements of Taoism. So they just simply threw everything out Okay, to use the five elements, the five, you know, um, uh, Dhyana Buddhas, and so forth. Okay, but what the the, the did was to um, they totally okay, to understand that the Asya and the Herit are the vehicles of consciousness and will. So if you don't work on Asya and Herit. The mantra ong for Ajna, the mantra herring for the Herit Chakra, you know, you as a divine being have no dwelling place within your being and in the world. You see that? You cannot establish yourself. You're like oh, you, you, you're an entity without a dwelling place. You gotta establish your foundation. That's what Ajna and Herit does. Okay? Then you have to establish your relationship with God to get guidance. Okay, Otherwise, your, your, your guidance is, is what? Coming from your own studies, your own education, and the education of others. Okay? So you're subject to opinions and speculations. Okay? It's good to get somebody, like for example, the best that I can do is to say to you, follow this system, chant the mantra whom? That's the guru, chakra. And the mantra hum, you will eventually after 21 days or so, okay, all right? Or if you learn Taoism on your auspicious days for doing spiritual work, <laughs> because there's a good days and bad days to meditate, that has not come into Western knowledge yet. Okay, so just we said, 21 days. Why 21 days? Because within 21 days of the lunar cycle, you'll hit and miss the right days. Okay. But the mantra hum, chanting the mantra hum, I meditate for an hour, breathing the right way. Okay? In what way, says the shraman Says you take an in-breath, let's say four seconds, hold the breath for let's say eight seconds while you're chanting hum, and then breathe out for six seconds, or collapse that time if that's too much for you. Expand it as your capacity to hold the breath increases. And then you will find heating up taking place, that's the kundalina heating up within you and awakening the psychic function. And then that hung, that guru chakra, you begin to intuit truths. You see that? You begin to understand the things in your life from a divine perspective from a divine legal perspective. There is such a thing as being guided by God. What kind of God will put man on earth and leave him to the vagaries of his intellect? (laughs) Did you read Crime and Punishment? Wasn't the protagonist in Crime and Punishment a very smart man? And as smart was his own doing? How about yours? Do you know anybody who's smart for their own good? I think everybody. Divine laws, the Dharma. Why laws? Because the part of you that executes your wishes, your intentions, the part of you that's responsible for your health, your wealth, your social life, You see, it's an energy system, and all energy systems are governed by laws and rules. Electricity, magnetism, heat, you know, they're all governed by laws. Subject and reducible to mathematical and geometrical, you know, understanding, because they are exact quantifiable, you know, realities and the laws that govern your life the same way because you see, the execution part of you is based on laws. So if you want to do as you want, you will run into problems. The laws are not commandments. I aren't 10 commandments, They are laws. Laws are, the laws that govern your spirit and your life are laws of nature. Honor your father and mother is not a law, that's a commandment. What if your father is a rapist? A serial killer. Should you honor him? Absolutely not. When you disobey the law of gravity, you fall and break something. That's so, not, so, you know. So live by divine law. Learn them and live by divine law. I teach that to you in my book here. Unity of all the spiritual growth, evolution, Nirvana. You need all developed powers, sahasra, mind, manas, spirit of metabolism, Vizharga, Kundalini fire, balancer, the Talu. You see that? Your ability to meditate, okay, comes from strengthening the Herit and the Ajna Chakra. You see that? And each chakra has its own ritual system, okay? And I... Detail them in the book so that you will know how to do this. The book is just not simply what is, it's a how-to book. Okay, you go, you make much faster progress if you enroll in a class that we teach in Atlanta. But any one of you who is can rough it by yourself, feel free to do so. Some of y'all don't want to be taught by somebody. And some of y'all, we don't want to teach you right now because <laughs> you're not teachable yet. It's such a reality. I've been doing this for 46 years now, and not everybody's teachable. They give me a headache. <laughs> and I can't charge them more for it, <laughs> you know. Spiritual metabolism, when you chant that mantra Do right? you will find that you'll have the best sleep ever, the deepest sleep ever. because Do whom expands the non-REM sleep. You see that? OK? That's no rapid eye movement, and it shuts down the thalamic area so that no messages except from the smell, if what I'm saying. OK? and so forth. You put on a little, you know, special, you know, oil for, you know, and it shuts it down. But you see, when you, when you go into the non-rem sleep, that's when you're taken back to the dark matter center within you. And 99 percent of the power of your being is in the dark matter. It doesn't come from doing Qigong and Pranayama, like the yoga book says. It comes from the dark matter within you. You don't, do, you don't do prayama breathing for your entire life. Just live for 70 to 80 years. You don't, you're deprived for five days of non rem sleep, you go crazy and die. Understand that, right? For so those of you who drink coffee late at night and don't get eight hours sleep, you're not going to make progress in this system and real progress in spirituality in life. That's a lifestyle you've got to understand and work with and obey. You see that? How many books have I written? About 35, 40, something like that. I don't know. I have a lot of books that are not even published, released to the public, because I have my priesthood that I have to also you write. Know, so the books that you see, not all the books are written. I have a 600-page book on Egypt called the Harlem River, <laughs> okay? You see my little book, you know, the I Ching Praxis, there are 100 and 20 pages, right? I have a 600 book on the I Ching. Not for the priest, not for the public. You see that? I have many other books not for the public. You see that? How do I write so many books? I work in the guru chakra, I get messages. You see that? But then I sleep nine hours a day. Don't drink no alcohol, don't smoke no weed. And what do I got a small weed for? I can get a natural high just chanting over and over and over. You know, my brain secretes opiates, natural opiates. Okay, into beautiful trance. Lots of good information. That's where you need to go to. Okay. So we went over this already. Let's move on. So, the fundamentals of yoga practice, nourishing the life force, to nourish the kundalini force, meaning you have to eat a certain way, you have to, the book has the Surya Namaskars, you know, exercises. Okay, they are yogic exercises with mantras to awaken the, you know, the herit chakra and, and connect with the f- five psychic functions within you but you have to eat well. You're going to have to take certain supplements, okay? You have to avoid injurious health practices, okay? Unfortunately, it's so only people come from the Western lifestyle. They think that they can maintain this Western lifestyle of drinking alcohol, smoking, tobacco. I'm not a purist. I'm not against anything. I'm just the person to tell you that I'm here to teach, And if you want to learn this subject, there's a lifestyle that goes with it, and that's what I'm sharing with you. You see that? If you don't drink, if you don't smoke, you're not enjoying life less. Teacher won't ask me which gives you more fun. What gives you more enjoyment? Reading a Shakespeare play or a Dell comic book? How do you quantify fun? You see that? Fun is what you want. You can get it many, many ways, any number of ways. Keep it clean. Keep it nourishing. Okay, attracting the energies, goddesses to the chakras through chanting their mantras. In the old shamanic tradition, the mantras were the goddesses. Meaning, what the mantras done did were codified in goddesses. The Aryan invented them like that. So they took the mythos out of the teachings to give you the logia only. The logia without the mythos is, you know, uh, impotent. Of the power is in the mythos. There's a mythological way of thinking, okay, that gives you a better insight into a power than the expository logiac way of thinking. You see that? Okay? Like, you know, why are the chakras shown as lotuses? Okay? There's a, there's a mythos of saying that, you know, there came a time when the gods, okay, were in trouble. The evil were destroying their lives, and they couldn't cope with the evil. So they churned the ocean, you know, and a beautiful blue lotus came up, you know, uh, to the surface, all right? And out of the lotus circles came the goddess Indu, with the law. You see that, okay? And on each petal was, you know, an insight into the law and a word of power. Just, you know, and that's how the lotuses became symbolic of the chakras. You see that, okay? So what I'm trying to say to you is that You know, um, this story is a visual story that if you repeat in your mind and envision the scenario, this blue lord is coming out of the ocean with a book of the law, and you go over it over and over and over, it connects you with those ancestors that had this knowledge, you know, 6,000 years ago. And even though they spoke some unknown, long-lost language, you will still understand what they're saying. Or they will speak to you in angelic tongue, which is the language of images and metaphors, and you will translate it into your own. So we're talking about a study which is a little different from what you want to do. Somebody wants to be on Instagram, and you want to be on... Facebook, and, you know, okay, do that, but set an hour aside at least four or five days a week. Last thing, last thing before you go to bed. Meditations in this book. You see that? Okay? Goddesses are metaphors for the forces. Don't forget that you have different faculties and each faculty, faculty chakras, and each faculty, okay, does its own thing, so it has its own kind of energy. You see that? And how that energy behaves is metaphorized. These are storytellers. These are teachers who teach through story. Because a picture word is worth a thousand words. Okay? You meditate on the, 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 the mythos, and every time that you meditate, you know, a hundred of those 1,000 words come to you. It unfolds itself. So don't let the Western ideas about mythology put you off. And professors telling you, let me explain to you what mythology is. Anybody who's going to explain to you what mythology is never understood mythology, because you understand mythology by going to trance with the (laughs) myth. Because, you see, the inner life, the dream life, is mythical. (laughs) It's the dream time. To know what a dream means, go back and relive the dream in meditation. Don't go to a book like, dream what the dreams mean, no. You energize the chakra through the mantras and breathing techniques. If I chant, kring, kring, on kring, over and over and over and over and over again, I get insight into what the heck I'm doing on this planet. Why did I incarnate? Why I gotta go through this, these challenges of life? I gain insight into that. That's what the inner body chakra is. Once I have insight, and I understand that to grow into divine being, I must go through challenges. What do you need divine knowledge and power for unless it is to go through challenges? If somebody somebody ever walks up to you and says to you, I'm going to give you the keys to full divine knowledge and power, you've been set up. You've been set up for one hell of a challenge. Oh, that's what I'm gonna need, right? (laughs) But it's wonderful because once you master the knowledge and you awaken the power, nothing can bring you down. You've mastered, you've eliminated suffering from your life. I stand before you, anything can happen to me. I'm not going to suffer. I'll take it in peace and enjoy being at peace in the midst of a challenge because that's the conquest. Because the wisdom and the power you need can only come out of you being at peace. Why do you need peace? When you've been challenged. Why do you need power when you've been challenged? Why do you need wisdom to overcome challenge? (laughs) It's just very simple, right? No, it's not. (laughs) But you gotta meditate every day on it and an accumulation process. So, because there are books that tell you that kundalini yoga is about, you know, maybe having sex, so that when you get excited, they raise energy, to etc., that's punk. If that were the truth, millions of people that practiced tantra back in medieval, you know, India, would be enlightened today. Where are their books? Where are the gurus that became enlightened from having sex? As a matter of fact, people that talk about Tantra as a sex thing don't know that that was religious, that was the religious practice all over the world, you know, around 600 B.C. Okay? The, the, the Jewish Bible rants and rage, rages against Tantra. Okay? That's what we're doing up in the mountains and, and, and the, the high places on the mounds and the grottles, okay? The kaddishim and the, 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 they say that prostitution, you know, is very old. Meaning that, you know, in, in the days when the Bible, the Hebrew the Old Testament was written, okay, the big practice was people supposedly getting mystical and spiritual enlightenment through sex. It's not some sort of tantra thing in India. It was all over the world that were doing that. It was the crazy Instagram thing of the time. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you know, in those, in, the, in Mesopotamia, or whatever, every young woman, okay, had to, you know, had to give herself up for that service, they call it okay <laughs> at least once in their lives and then others went on to become professionals they were and so forth you see that and in china these were the white tigers tigresses, and things of that nature you see that okay um and so this is an old practice that went nowhere that eventually you know people had to give up you see that because it was debunked okay And um, if you take the time to go through history, you found that nobody got enlightened by having sex. No, never happened. They didn't get enlightened by being celibate either. You know, so it had to be something else. You see that? Okay? The connection of tantra to sex was that here was a script, that as a married man, if you engage sex according to these rules, they would take the bestiality out of it. That's what your father saying. Look at the woman as a goddess, as a divine being, not, you know, and worship her. You know, don't come to her to satisfy your animal pleasure and get chant and, you know, da-da-da-da. I asked a young man, you "You did it? He said, yeah, I said, did it work? He said, no. But, (laughs) I'm just being honest, okay? So, um, these are things, these are experiments, okay, that people were working to see if they could help people rise above, you know, sex for just the carnal pleasure. The rub to it, Right? Go well, back and read carefully. Some of you all speed read when you shouldn't. Go back and read carefully, and I'm saying this because a lot of people out here saying that they are teachers of tantra and they're nothing else but you know uh, leading you know unwitting young ladies into a behavior that they will regret. You see that, okay? When you go into the literature of tantra. The real literature of Tantra, you'll find none of this. the book of the Great Liberation for Arthur Avalon. Okay, read the books of Arthur Avalon, Sir Woodruff Avalon, and you will find that you know Tantra is not what you think. And then now, the Tantra was all for the spiritual enlightenment and edification of the man. Well, how about for the woman? Oh, she was. The object. He was there to gratify the man, for the man to get there and things of that nature. And also for the temple because they, the man paid the temple. Temple got the money. Today we call those temple um, administrators, I think we call them pimps, but. I'm sorry, y'all, but. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> I see so many young people going down the wrong path. You, you want to have sex? Have sex. Come on. You know, people people are glad to do it. Don't take a spiritual teaching that you didn't take the time to study and practice and drag it down like this, because at the end of the day, you're pushing people away from spirituality. And I say all the things thing that's gonna save us and save the world. So take your time, read my book, okay? Uh, get the Laya Yoga, okay, from, from where I got these pictures in the book. Okay, Laya Yoga is a different approach to yoga. It's a yoga of, Laya means dissolution. And the concept is that, you know, if I extinguish my desire for life, okay, I will be able to achieve, you know, uh, nirvana, I won't have to come back to earth again. But the premise is that man cannot overcome suffering. But that's the purpose of spirituality to rise beyond and above suffering. Because once you become impervious, you don't have to grieve, you don't have to worry, you don't have to get angry, you don't have to indulge fear. You don't have to do any of these things because, first of all, indulging any emotion harms your health. So you got to transcend the emotional response to challenges. Indulging emotions, you know, drops your IQ. Like 30 points. I know people can't afford the drop of one point. They're <laughs> simple, So there is no reason. for It doesn't make you any better, it doesn't help you to indulge in emotion. It is peace and calm that enables wisdom to rise into your mind and gives you the power to achieve, and gives you the strength to perform, and gives you the power to achieve through spiritual power. And this is a beautiful Gift to the world, this yoga system that has been hidden for over 25, 3,000 years, okay, by the invasion and destruction of ancient black India. The ancestors, I mean, the the, um, descendants of the Shramans are today the Dalit, okay, the Dravidians. Dravidian is a term like niggas. Yeah, they're the untouchables. Meaning, if, if if a Vedantin Brahmin accidentally touches one of these black persons, he has to go and get purified, Or just the to touch, to be served by one of these people, and for these are people whose whose job is to the most demeaning, toileting, cleaning jobs and things like that nature. And, but when it came to the tantra practices, because these were single and married men, okay, looking to become divine, by raising the Kundalini through sex. So which were the women that they were after? I want to give you one guess. The Dravidian women. So, my beloved, reclaim your heritage. I'm not here to fight with the Hindus or whatever. Okay. Um, how I know this to be true, because all the mantras for each of those 14 um, chakras, I've been teaching and working with them for over 46 years in a Sadaset society with my people. So we know in and out what each on every one of those mantras do, do because ancient black India and ancient Egypt were sister civilizations. That the river, the same way that the river civilization, the same way that in Egypt we knew the power of the river as a means of building our civilization, they did the same thing in India. The Harappa was built at the, along the, um, what's the word? Tigris? Huh? The Ganges River. Thank you. Thinking of but in Mesopotamia now we have the um, the in Mesopotamia the black civilization right also the Tigris River the great rivers okay the Europeans had great rivers that like the river the, the Danube there didn't build no civilization next to that okay for the simple fact that they didn't have the way of awakening the prefrontal lobe which is the asnia, the mantra onk, which is the onk of Egypt. Onk is not a cross, a cross is the metaphor for the mantra, the heka onk. Herrit is the mantra, the other mantra for the prefrontal lobe, which in Egypt becomes herru. Eh? All right, so uh, kring the nirvana chakra for the destiny, okay, is in Egypt. So you have these, you know, karate, <laughs> you know, uh, knowledge. So by combining the two, sister civilization, you're able to learn about one from the other. You know, so by putting them together, we have enriched okay, the, the knowledge. You see that? Okay? And now we're also bringing in the Taoist life science, okay, the Chinese have a problem with that, and I just want you to understand, right, that the, the, um, the Taoist system in China, okay, the Chinese, you know, civilization starts with the third dynasty, okay? So my question is why, what happened to the, what about the first two dynasties, why is not included in the history. They said, okay, what was the first dynasty? The first dynasty, okay, um, you know, had the kings of that dynasty marching with the emblem of the hawk. And where did they come from? They came from the land of the rolling sands, meaning from Mesopotamia. So they were, you know, in pre-dynastic time of China, there were these kings, which are the source of the I Ching, okay? And the yin-yang, the low map, and the uh, and the, um, the low map river arrangement. That's the foundation of the cosmology, the scientific thinking, and so forth, all right? And it goes all the way back to, you know, a time when the kings, you see, were Living in the land of the roving sands to the east of the Yangtze River. So, but anyhow, I give kudos to the Chinese. I let them keep it because they've done, they've done wonderful things with Ajing, with the Bazi, with the Kimen Dong and the phenomenal teachings. And this is where you have to get back into. Some of you want to study psychology. Why? Okay? No, study the Taoist system, the Kemetic system, study this system, and you will learn truly the ways that man should go into to uplift himself. Do not come to school thinking that the answers to things have been given, They even haven't asked the right questions to start with. So, let's roll our sleeves up. Okay, my book is just in the direction to get you working to save yourself and your people. Peace and blessings to all of you.
0: So we do have time for some question and answer. Make your way to the Middle aisle, if you have any questions.
3: Um, my question is I've heard of a uh, Joppa and is it Japa? Yeah, Japa meditation, like oh, Japa, Japa, yeah, and Siddhis uh, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. can you explain like?
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Japa is nothing else but uh, constant repetition of a mantra, right? And uh, and that's the meditation that was given to the commoner. Quote commoner, right? Maybe the person who um, who social economic. Situation didn't allow them to really study yoga. Right? So he or she was told, while you're going about your 12, 13 hours a day work in the fields or in the market, whatever, keep chanting the mantra. You know? So I would go through the whole day. Om van de hum, om van de hum. That's chapa, right? Okay? Uh, it doesn't work too well. It's best when you learn to meditate with the proper breathing, because when you are awake, JAPA is usually, it can be done in trance, right? But it's really for constant repetition, constant repetition. It's like a bicycle wheel turning so that you can't get something through the spokes. So if I constantly repeat something, right? Now the best way to do JAPA is mentally. Because only through mental work you can keep the sound going on the in-breath and the out-breath. See that? Okay? And then you wanted to go into, when you're in meditation state, the brain is now moving at about 7 to 13 beats per second. When you're awake, the brain is like 13 to 23 beats per second. So waking japa is not the same thing as meditation, silent japa. You see, the CDs are powers, right? Psychic powers that that can come from doing this work or any kind of meditation work.
3: So don't do, do use. so the japa is not like. Well, the
2: better and more effective ways of doing that.
3: Like the breathing, like you were well, saying. Well, in my
2: book, I explain how to do the breathing. Okay. Yeah. In other words, if I'm not going to teach you, right, I say repeat the mantra over and, over and over again for an hour or two, or you know, repeat the mantra a hundred thousand times, and you're going to do that. But I'd rather teach you how to do the breathing, how to do the chanting. That's more effective, isn't it? Right,
3: right, right. Yeah. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Are better ways, Are better ways, yeah.
0: Peace and blessings to my yes, sir, brother, Thank amen.
2: You. It's an honor to stand before
0: you this evening, right? Thank God for this day. Anyway, I have a question concerning the indigo black-blue people you are talking about. I have heard the word madras used in relation to the dark people of India. I wonder if you had any
2: Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That they're so black that they have a bluish hue, right? Like you know, uh, some people here in Atlanta and, yes. and people in Jamaica and yes. Yes. People, uh, actually, uh, when you were back in Panama, you, I'm sure you were much darker than you are now. Yes. So was I. Yes, Okay. So that's yes. yeah, sunburned people. Okay. 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 Thank you. You're most welcome.
5: Hey Shechem, uh, I wanted to ask if you could expand upon the practice for the the talu and uh, should you do it after you do the raw qigong to kind of tame down
2: the... Yeah, the talu is to tame the fire down, right? If you do qigong or even martial arts, you know, work Mm -hmm. and you feel very hyped up, you want to do the talu, meaning swallowing saliva, okay, okay, for about 50 times. You see that? Slowly. That way it goes down and lubricates and, you know, rehydrates that area
0: thank you
2: yes so you they don't destroy the yin
9: thank you greetings i've been on this path of trying to understand and study yoga and what i found is that like you were saying earlier it's there's so many studios and places that teach yoga but the foundation isn't there and that their, their spiritual component isn't there. They have everything from Drake yoga to Beyonce yoga to, you, said you know, booty yoga. yoga. <laughs> and I'm trying to go and practice mindfulness and clear my mind, but I can't do that with Drake in the background. And um, even there's classes that focus on theory and not on practice. And so I'm struggling with finding my own practice and a way to study it that teaches me how to go into the positions and hold the positions and keep my mind focused?
2: Okay, in my book, this book here, you're gonna find that the word yoga means to yoke, Mm -hmm. to unite. So there are many practices in yoga, but only one of the practices, you know, is yoga. And that's the Samya, Samya, Samaya practice meaning asanas and pranayama are not yoga, they are adjuncts to yoga, you see that, okay? Like if you start in algebra, okay, you do an equation, there is addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, okay? There are these functions, but when I'm doing addition and subtraction by itself, I'm not practicing algebra. So when you're doing pranayama and you're doing the asanas, you're not practicing yoga. Yoga is samyama. Yoga happens the moment when the self, the consciousness world, is united to itself in samadhi. Yoga, the highest yoga, is attained in what uh, Patanjali calls the samprajñata-sarvikalpa-nirvana, meaning the union of the self, you know, uh, excluding everything else. There's no time, no space. It's just self with self. And that's samyama that that happens. So, you can go to places and learn, you know, all of Iyengar's movements and all of that. You're not practicing yoga. No more than, you know, learning to add is doing algebra. You can learn pranayama breathing and all of that, you're not practicing yoga. Those are adjuncts to yoga. As a matter of fact, through sanyama, you can attain nirvana, I mean samadhi, without asanas and without, you know, uh, pranayama, okay? There are people in Haiti that get the drums out, and they're dancing and chanting, and they achieve union with Consciousness with itself or consciousness with a power, that's the moment of yoga. Yoga is union of the self with itself or the self with a power. That's what yoga is. So the definition and the, what you have about yoga is the distortion that comes from the conquerors. They mess everything up. Yeah. <laughs> Beyoncé yoga?
9: Really? <laughs> really, yeah. I might I go home and... <laughs>
2: Watch some Beyonce on I have younger? no idea. Hetepu. Hetepu, my dear. I
10: appreciate you. I've not come with a question, but I've come with a thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much for the safe space that you have created for all of us. I have been blessed to teach over 600 women in the last five years. Honorable. And I have been trying to get to the Asara Society in Atlanta. But consistently, I'm teaching when they're teaching. And so finally last year, we were afforded the opportunity to come. I was so pleased and so impressed at how well organized and how sincere the hearts of the people were there that I spoke to all of my students throughout the United States and I said, find Anasara, set society near you and go to it. Every last one of my students came back with reports that they were overwhelmed at the integrity and the character that they found internationally. I have students all over the world. I have them all over the United States. We have been to places where my students were uh, mishandled. And so I'm very, very protective over them. But I want to thank you for the very safe space that you have created for all of them. I can come. I don't have to be anything but a student. And I'm grateful to be able to be a teacher that is an eternal master student. So I thank you for your legacy. I thank you for your life. I bring you greetings from Aris Latham. I just left him on yesterday. And he asked me to let you know how much he appreciates everything that you invested in him back in the 80s, that it has made him the great teacher that he is now. I am finishing my master's in um which one of that one, uh, science with him with food sciences. And so he talks of you constantly. And I just smile because he doesn't realize that I'm doing a set. we don't even have that discussion. But he said, do you know about a set?" I said, I do. Uh. He said, oh, that man, oh, that man. And so I thank you for the legacy that you have left us. Thank you for your life. Thank you for allowing the universe to use you and to channel through it. I wanna give you all the thank yous that you have not received from people who have not yet figured out how to show the appreciation to you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much. Give my love to Aris. Indeed, I will. And um, the integrity and the safe space is an externalization of the teachings. Give Thanks. It's not me, give it's thanks. the teachings. Give thanks. Which means that you can take that with you any and everywhere you go, mm-hmm. and recreate that safe Indeed. space. Indeed. And that integrity. Indeed. Thank Not you. Not the man, the teachings.
10: Yes. Thank you very much. Indeed. Thank you.
8: Hi. Thank you, again for the presentation. Um, I was hoping that you could uh, talk, a, uh, expound on um, the cultivation of the asset faculty and mastery of trance in the context of the work that you laid out for. Um, in the, ba- in the back of the book, there's a program. You lay out like a program in the back of uh, Light on Yoga. Um, so, if you could talk about a little bit more about mastering trance while going through that, as well as um, while doing the raw initiation work.
2: Okay. This set faculty, right? Here, it says here. Vizarga. Hmm? Oh, is it? You see that? Vizarga? That's the set faculty in this system, right? The tree of life is the ninth faculty like down here. But in the Kundalini system it's the Vizarga. It's the mantra duhum. Right? And in the Shramanic system, the mantra duhum, the Vizarga the goddess duhumavati. Okay? And the mythos has her as a very haggard looking woman. Very poor. She is in a carriage that doesn't even have a horse to draw it. Right? And she is in the darkest of the darkness of night. You see that? But that darkness of darkness of night is the dark matter. She is a source of 99% of the power that you can ever have. You see that? Yeah. Okay? And she exacts the most challenging, you see, uh, test that you could ever go through. In a real-life situation, not of your making or any teacher's making, she will bring you to a life challenge where you have to be Willing to peacefully even give up your life for the sake of God. Sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and because um, if in truth you are an immortal, she says, okay, then your life is worth nothing compared to the power that you're going to give to God if this is what you must do, but you must go in peace and smiling at as a... As a you know, proof of your peace. You see that? Yeah. So that's how Osset connects to that. The other part of your question was, again?
8: Um, about uh, mastering trance uh, as we're doing the practice uh, that, that you recommend in the back of the, the book for light on your yeah. Mastering
2: trance, meaning that uh, the whole system, you know, each chakra plays a role in mastering trance. And the first step is a kriya, what we call a kriya, or an external awakened work, you know, ritual that you do. Not the kriya of yoga, it's a kriya that I have put in place, meaning a work system where you have to, you know, do certain rituals when in a waking state to develop the ability to focus and concentrate. Because focusing and concentration can only develop in a waking state. And then you will take that after you have mastered it, it will then will proceed automatically to manifest when you are in the meditation state. Yeah. And you master trance by mastering focusing in the waking state. And then you come then the meditation state will turn around and take your external focus to a uh, highest level and it is then and there that you will master mindfulness because the teaching of mindfulness, the so-called satipatana, is all wrong. Because the moment that you try to be mindful, you already had a reflex reaction in the animal part of the spirit that destroys your ability to be mindful. So you have to get ahead of it. Thank you very much. You're most welcome.
3: Okay, so question on the four brains. You did explain that the first brain was the reptilian. Um, So, with the divine being being in the process of constant evolution, do you believe that the overall levels of chakra chakra would change over time and there'd be a fifth brain that could evolve?
2: No, the fourth brain is it. That's it. The the prefrontal lobe. That's it, meaning that um, that fourth brain, that divine mind, has already been achieved in Egypt. Mm Okay? Okay. Divine men and divine women already was achieved in ancient Egypt, and the path to divinity was already laid down in Egypt. So we have the teachings. We have the proof that has taken place. And that brain in Egypt is called the kenti. You see that? K-H-E-N-T-I. All right? So um, the, 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 the New Testament, the book of Revelations, speak about that. It says, you know, uh, you, you shall see the Christ, and you shall know the Christ by what? A mark on, you, will, you shall see the Christ in your forehead. That's what the Book of Revelation says. You shall see the Christ in your forehead, meaning that when your prefrontal lobe is fully developed, your Christ consciousness will come the bloom. You see that? Okay, and where do we see the mark of the beast? In the damaged forest. The beast, 666, It's taking 18 breaths per minute, and to get down to the crash you have to get down to four and a half or three breaths per minute. That's the process of meditation, when you slow down the breath to four and a half to three breaths per minute. Then the brain waves also slow down from beta to alpha to delta to theta, and you still be awake at theta at three breaths per minute. Minute, it was are long, deep breaths, right, and so on. But it already been done, but only by a minute part of mankind. You see that? So it, my books are the translation of those attainments. The white man in his museum, the Museum of Cairo, of Paris, in Italy, you know, the Field Museum in Chicago, the museum in England, they have thousands of records of Egyptian men and women that have already achieved divinity. It's, this is not a theory or speculation. They have the biographies of these men and these women and how they got there. But a society that is built on what? Conquest, domination, and exploitation, the most powerful weapon is what keeping you human the old testament says know ye not that you are human i mean you're you're a god the old testament said the Testament, and god said in genesis right let us make man in our own likeness an image they made a god the new testament says the problem with man is that is the human he has to take off the human garment and put on the new garment. It's there in the New Testament. But what is the nuts and bolts, the ABC, the crossing of the T's and the dotting of the I of becoming from human to divine? you got to come back to the Kemetic teachings. There you'll find the framework, the enrichment of it, you'll find it in the Framanic yoga system. You understand that? I didn't write this book as a Scholarly exercise. I had nothing better to do but to write a dissertation. No. I'm writing something to help you become, fulfill your destiny as a divine being. That's why you came to Earth. And I came to Earth to help you there, to go there. Why? Because everybody really traveled that path. You see that? I'm one of those guys that they send down to make trouble. <laughs> to trouble human beings like, You're not a human being. You came here to become a goddess, a god. Here is the path. The last leg of the teachings is Taoism. Is it Chinese? Why is Taoism kicked to the corner in China? (coughs) China is Confucianist. What the Confucian said when he was 50 years old, I wish I had studied teaching when I was a young man. This is the Tao Te Ching. That's a cryptic book. No, it's not a cryptic book, it's a very easy book to follow. Once you take, you know, the, the Tao Te Ching and type back to the calendar of 10,000 years and the chronobiology of Chinese medicine, you see every statement in the Tao teaching, that's the so-called philosophy, spiritual philosophy of Taoism, right? It's a scientific book. And not even the La Zhu and the Sun Chuang Zhu understood when they were, you know, they, take, they took the oral tradition and wrote it down, but didn't fully understand what they were talking about. Combine it with Chinese medicine and you will find that Taoism, Kundalini Yoga, Egyptian teachings are the three pillars of the science of life. You become a god woman in this life. Thank you. Okay, don't wait. Don't do it another live. Don't wait till the next life. <laughs> this one. <laughs> okay. All right. Just because you can. That's all. <laughs>
6: uh, Peace and blessings coming to you again, sir. And I'm I'm very very honored as well uh, to be here in your presence. Uh, quick question. You were mentioning something about the uh, the Hindus and them being uh, and the name Hindu translating into. Uh, uh, being the blue, uh, blue, blue, like, black, uh, blue black, black. people. Indian. Exactly, exactly. And I'm from Macon, Georgia. Uh, I've been doing a lot of independent research on what we have called the Amogi Indian Mounds in Macon, It was just about to become the first national park in Georgia. Uh, and it's a big deal down that way, and it's becoming a big deal nationally. All I wanted to know is this in my independent research for uh, indigenous people and in the mound builders. Uh, does the term Indian, uh, in, in it referring to them being the blue black people, refer to the people here in North America as well?
2: Well, what happened was that when Christopher Columbus left, he was looking for a better route to India. Am I mean, all right? Looking for a shorter route to India. So when he arrived in the Americas, he thought it was India. So he called the people Indians. He was looking for the land of the Indigo people at a time when, you know, uh, the Europeans no longer knew that, that that Indian meant indigo, blue. So when he came here, the Caribs, who are very dark-skinned Indians, was the first person he met and totally exterminated, he thought that these, he thought it was in, in India. So he called the people Indians, but they're not the same people. They're not our people. They're different ethnic groups. They belong to different haplogroup, and things of that nature. Okay? No doubt. But they're good people. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, are the mounds connected to huh? uh, the, the Indian mounds that they have here, the structures that are in North America? Or, or this, well, is the same science
2: used? They, I don't know how far, what how much science they brought with them, right? But the mounds, the people, that the mound builders, you know, the um, Ava Bonsertima says that these were African people. That mixed with the Indian people, so much more work needs to be done. That's
6: right.
2: Is it Olmec? Well, the Olmec, part of that as well in Mexico, because what we we call Mexico wasn't separate from America back in those days. You know, you're following saying all, this is called Mexican people, the Indians, they live all up in America, what we call America today. People think that all the Indians... Of course, yeah, they all make out. Absolutely, we see it in the sculptures.
6: That's
11: right. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Um, my question is, it's actually two questions, but it's kind of maybe the same. So, uh, my ancestors beckoned me to communicate with them, and uh, one of them is uh, one of my recently uh, transitioned cousins, and he said, you're ready to come over here and, and talk with me. And I'm waiting on you. And I've been trying to meditate and going to deep trance and step outside of my, of my flesh into my astral body to go and converse with them. And I was wondering wondering what um, the Kundalini yoga system could help me. I just can't figure out what it is. Everybody said they have their own way to step out and to, to travel into the inner planes and astral travel and so forth. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I'm scared or I'm just stuck or I'm not doing the right thing.
2: Well, being able to take your consciousness into the inner realms will happen when you um, develop a certain proficiency in meditation. So you need to just simply forget about your intention, your goal, and meditate properly. You see that my books? I have several books, right? What what? Meditation, okay. This book here. All right, do the meditations, right? And um, and eventually it will happen. Is that it, yeah? In the second volume to this book here, I might publish there is a mantra that will enable people to communicate with their deceased ancestors that included in this book for concern that many people want to jump to that and scare the hell out of themselves.
11: I understand. <laughs> Checking, uh, checking. Check the second part of my question was, um, I mean, I'm
2: serious. You can have a, you can have a frightening experience. Sure, I've, you know? I've
11: had some myself. Yeah. Um, the second part was um, in Samoa, where I'm, one of my, well, half of me is from. Is um, it Samoa? Samoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Pacific. Um, I don't know, uh, and I don't know if they have the history of uh, what the ancient practice is spirituality. And I was wondering, do you, do you have any idea what the um, Polynesians in Samoa, Tonga, Fiji area? Maybe it's the same, or I mean, I don't know. When I go, well, there, I don't
2: know exactly what they have done, mm-hmm. but I know they get a hell, hell of a whole lot of good stuff back there. The what do you there?
11: recommend I do when I to, to find out? Like, because uh, there's not much history on Samoa. They don't even have a good history on exactly where they came from. They, they're travelers. They're Safarian people. that travel. So, you know. There's not real science on it, so I'm trying to get back, back to that. Go back
2: and find yourself a good old lady, an old man, and tell them to initiate you into there.
11: That's what I'm looking for. You leader. haven't heard anything about the um, South Pacific uh, spiritual practices or the gods? Or the I races? haven't
2: done much of that, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth, right? Because I, I spent a lot of time trying to get you work through the major centers, Okay and give enough information for others to use my book as a model and material to then bring in the rest. As I commissioned to the young lady as she said here, to maybe go back and see what the Hopi Kashina dolls, you know, a lot of powerful, beautiful stuff in there. Yes. But I don't have the, I cannot do it all. You see that? Twelve. Okay, so go back and, um, Get an old lady or two, an old guy that mm-hmm. knows the stuff and oh, want to pass something on before it dies out.
11: That's right. That's right. Okay? I'm trying to um, get rid of the uh, system that's currently in place there, the Catholicism and parliament and all that. Well, and there's a... still
2: some people who hiding in the back doors doing the.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> you know, I think that 99% of Samoans are Christians. And 99% are traditionalists.
11: Yep, yeah. it's, it's going to be tough, but I got, to go. I got a job to do when I get home. So I just want to know where to focus. So i got to get, find me a home base for the spirituality of my people and then bring it back around and try to wake them up.
2: Okay, yeah. good, right, very good. Uh, Twyla, thank you. Thank you.
4: Peace and blessings. Peace, sir. Um, so I'm actually just uh, recently opening up a spiritual temple of my own. And one of our major practices in this temple is yoga. And I was very pleased of your Light on Kundalini presentation. And I want to be able to take more of this information back so I can share it with my community and people that come to me to learn. Um, And so I just want to know, just in your opinion, what would be the, um, because I've I've personally never heard of shramanic yoga and I feel like you know there's a lot of things that I would like to know more about so I can be most accurately teaching.
2: There are two things that you have to uh, be mindful of. You're like a student who walks into university and says, I'd like to become a doctor, medical doctor, and the dean says okay wonderful. You'll be looking at your papers you have good high school grades and everything right and in six to eight years we will graduate as a doctor. Right? Beyond that, uh, spirituality, especially yoga and so forth, right, is not academic. Every behavior, you know, has to be encoded in an engram, meaning a neural, you know, complex. The brain and nervous system has to create glial cells, okay? and move a new fibroblast and connect them to represent that behavior. Meaning that the word representing what you're learning has to become flesh. You cannot rush that. So this is the first time you're coming across this information, and it has to be the first time because I'm the first and only one to publish it. Okay. You know, give us six to eight years before you start to try to teach it. This is not academic. You see that. You have to experience the inner world of an awakened Ajna. do it intellectually. You have to experience, you know, the, 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 the Herit Chakra is connected now to an island. It's a mythos, but it's real. An island that is full of, you know, jewels and great wealth. You have to, if you're gonna teach, you have to bring that island of great wealth into being. You see that? You have to experience the Nirvana chakra insight into your um, destiny and be able to lead others to identify their point in destiny and how to guide them through. There's so much that you first have to accomplish. You see that? You have to go through the laws, okay? The manas is called the Karana Bridge because the manas, you know, when you go through the meditation and, you know, the, of the manners, you will then now find that it has to be put in a manner that it becomes automated. Why? Because your psyche works in an automated manner. You cannot monitor your psyche through the will. It has to be an automatic vehicle monitoring the automata of the psyche. So it takes time for these neural complexes to create. You know how long it took me to write this book? Let me know. 46 years. Mm-hmm. Little book, 46 years. In 1985, okay, Tumabati gave me an oracle, a oracle. Many of you have it, right? Okay? I was in trance for 11 hours, writing down, drawing the cards. When I finished, I did the reading, I told to announce himself, Maud announced it herself through the readings. I took five years of testing the oracle through my priesthood before I wrote the book, on Volume 1, on it. Take your time, practice, verify, master, before you teach. You know why? Because you are working with 50 bija seeds. And what is protecting the power in the seeds? evil. Right. So if you do not know how to properly awaken those bijas, you will only strengthen the evil in a student. If a student has a problem with lying, he or she will become worse in lying, as opposed to truth teller. Mm-hmm. These are forces. The devas, the mantras are powers, they're forces. You can make an atomic bomb to life up a city or to destroy your city. It's the horses. So my book, you follow it, you'll be safe. That's why, that's what the reason it took me 40, I wanted to verify what these mantras, because there are other mantras out there that will harm you. Right. Okay? All right, take your time. Thank you. Okay. Oh no, I respect.